Well, this is Tom from Third Rail Design Lab. And this is Narrative Mike. Narrative Mike. Narrative Mike, because I'm narrative. And you're talking. I want to be a writer. And you're talking. <laughs> and you're talking into a microphone. See, uh, it works hey, both hey, ways. My name's Mike. It's all. Oh, I'm deep. <laughs> it's profound. It's very deep. I like it. It's deep and as my beard. Oh well, there's less of that, and less of you. All right, let's go. Mr. Narrative Mike, how are, you? how are you? Oh, man, I am doing fantabulous in these times of strife. I actually think maybe there's more beard for you and less for me. There, There is there is much less for you. Did you sh- did you shave again? I did. So I've done it twice since two two sessions ago when there was this this weird. Oh, uh, you had the fork tongue. You had yeah. the, you were you were going full uh, worm worm tongue there, man. There was actually, worm you, tongue didn't have a beard. So there was mind. some sort of sartorial rebellion going on with you guys, <laughs> where just because I hadn't been to the barber in a while and my long sculpted mm, devil beard had become Rasputin. Uh, yeah, yeah. But y- you raise good points. Uh, and also because in that in that same uh, recording, I had a, uh, one of my daughter's hair ties holding it all together. So I had that uh, going on that was not very really successful. Um, yeah, so last time I trimmed it to about yay, yay. And I trimmed it again uh, yesterday. Yeah. And now I feel, good. Like a big, I feel like a big fuzzy um, over pizza peach. But that's okay. Well, I mean, you, you could use a professional touch, but you look fine. You look fine. I am the professional touch. These you, hands. Well, I mean, <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even use a blade. Okay, just, <laughs> this, one, this, this one, this one, that one, judo chop, judo chop. Yeah, earning my butterfingers, right? <laughs> All right, so yeah, that's the thing that happened. Well, anyway, so this is uh, day, whoever, who the fuck knows of the quarantine, yeah. and also day, who the fuck knows of this heat wave we're having in the Bay Area. Like, I actually, I actually didn't understand for the longest time people having trouble keeping track of days. Yeah, because I work from home, so it's like this is no different for me. And I wrote a letter to someone in my office, and they wrote it. They sent it back and said, "Hey, Mike, can you change the date?" And I was like, "What's wrong with the date?" And they said, "Mike, Mike, it's it's May." I was like, shit, it is May. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's funny. Well, you know, uh, I've dealt with that with my mother, who, you know, retired some years ago. And she has that problem where she doesn't know what day of the week it is and what happens on those days. And she's been out of society enough that she doesn't have the concept of what people might do on a weekend versus the weekday. It's all bleeds for her. Uh, combined with where she is um, with her mind that um, she is overwhelmed physically and emotionally and, and psychologically. And so that affects how she perceives things, how she interacts with her environment, her level of anxiety and exhaustion. All those things are, we're all getting a taste of that now, right? The, the, sure. yeah, the, the space madness of, of your ritual being disrupted for long enough, uh, the isolation, the economic peril, uh, you know, stress that people have working like, or not working. I can't even imagine if this had happened when I was in grad school, I would have yeah. lost my yeah. mind. The specter of the unseen, invisible enemy sure. of viruses and stuff, right? All sure. that stuff adds up to a level of sort of under the surface agitation that affects how you yeah. think and how you sleep and right. Whatever. Yeah, and like and like to all things, there's this curve, right? Right. And I think that we 
and our listeners are on the end of the curve where it's like not seeing something doesn't make it not exist. It makes it actually more terrifying. Whereas if you go to the other side of the curve, it's like, well, if I don't see it, it's not there and it's bullshit. Right. You know? Right. And it's like, right. well, I, 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 I'm not going to get sick. And it's like, brother, I really need you to fucking just chill out. Yeah. Well, do what we're <laughs> telling you right now, because it's really important that you well, don't just ignore the rules. Well, and then, you know, this whole thing about, we're waiting for wave two to be the, the, the serious one. Sure. At this point, I don't even know if we're going to have a wait for phase two because people just went out en masse this weekend and oh, went yeah. ape shit. Ape shit. And, like, and you already see the spike, and it's like, yeah, we, we said this was going to happen. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I watched the traffic uh, escalate to pretty much full tilt uh, over this weekend, and I was out doing some, some rides and. Uh, the traffic on the roadway as well as people walking to the watering holes and to the beach and stuff were it was summer level and no yeah. one had a mask on the yeah. entitlement and the arrogance here just blows my mind this is not like, i'm not in the community of the uh the anti establishment um hoaxers so much sure. i'm in sure. the community of the entitled arrogant i don't feel anything this is not really happening to us i'm sure. fine i'm sure it's fine and also, yeah, the government um, overinflates everything because, you know, it's the hip, the aged hippies that are here. Um, guess sure. what? All bullshit. Asymptomatic, right? And re- yeah. and recurring and and uh, and getting the virus again and again. People, yeah. That's what they're finding now overseas. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's we're going to get our asses handed um, to us uh, massively. But the other the other thing I think is interesting and challenging is the heat, man. I mean, I've been in a lot hotter conditions, but there's something about trying to work in confined spaces in extreme heat for a long time. You're giggling at me. What did I say? So, no, no, this is, I'm I'm sorry I'm laughing. I'm not, so, mind you, I have only been in this lovely state for, I know where you're going. Six months, seven months? And I came from Memphis. Yes. So like, yes. like I've been like, this is wonderful. No, I get <laughs> it. I mean, it's it's a dry heat, as as Hudson would say. I mean, I understand totally. Totally. that if you are acclimated to this climate, yes. this is hellish. That's what we're talking and, about here. And I am not acclimated yet because I'm like in shorts and in a shirt being like, yo, yo, bitch. <laughs> Don't overstate. The shorts and the shirt are only for my benefit. This is very true. I'm usually just walking around in my boxers. <laughs> but you know, the thing is, though, and it is a dry heat compared to what you're used to, but it's oh, about yeah. it's about um, getting things done in heat under all those other stressors and also if you're used to this climate. That's Agreed. totally what it is. Agreed. But I have to say, Agreed. I've gone on some long rides. I've done workout mm-hmm. in the heat. Done all, yeah. I've had other kinds of things, but something about sitting in my non-climate-controlled graphis here. Sure. Uh, and trying to think and, you know, six meetings, one after another, and then I look over at my little uh, thermometer and it's 93 in here. And I'm going, well, yeah, I'm fucking dehydrated and for a reason because I'm yeah. baking myself. No, and you that's should have what a fan on you, brother. Yeah. yeah. Well, like minimum. Just, yeah. Well, now I do. My daughter had stolen that. But, uh, you know, before this, I had uh, we had a brief uh, heat wave and I had um, finally gone out and bought an AC unit for the window. And I got mm-hmm. this big 12,000 BTU one and I put it in. It's. Enough to uh, more than enough for that room. That might, that might be a little bit excessive for for your office. 
no, no, no. This is for my house. In oh, one of okay. the only operable oh, window, no, no. Only okay. operable yeah, yeah. windows, okay. you know. And it was enough to keep to kind of cool the living mm-hmm. dining area. Mm-hmm. Not enough for the whole mm-hmm. house. And then immediately the heat wave stopped. Like I turned down the the hot tub temperature and I put the mm-hmm. AC unit in and the heat wave stopped. But here we are. This weekend we've actually, or this weekend and an early part of this week, we actually used it in the afternoons for you know about four sure. hours just to get that part of the house cool down and get the kids over to that side, right? Yeah. Because the house yeah. was just blasting. And the problem is I have a whole house fan I put in last year, but it doesn't do shit until outside sure. temperature is lower than inside temperature, right? Right, and, right, right. And over the last several days, that equilibrium point was like 1130 at night. And it would right. start to dip around midnight. For us to be oh, yeah. at 80, 82 at 11 at night, it's not great, right? Yeah. So, um, but anyway, which is all to say that it may be my addled uh, mental state or the dehydration or it's just the roll of the dice but everything has gone wrong in the last two days and I'm a guy that takes things in stride but I gotta say I'm like what the hell man I think you have a poltergeist I might but a good yeah. one or a bad one uh, I didn't well you know what that's a very western block way to think about that it sure was wasn't it it's i mean i mean usually in america when we say poltergeist we think fucking they're coming but no you're right no like poltergeist could be yeah interesting yeah cheers this yeah cheers to my friend (laughs) who only i can feel but you cannot feel but you know they're there (laughs) i never read you ever read the uh, the short story The Yattering in Jack by Clive Barker? No, but I've heard about it, but I have never read it. It's a fantastic short story. Uh, but it's basically about a guy who's being tormented by a demon. And the demon is the Yattering, and the guy being tormented yeah. is Jack. But nice. it's, uh, yeah, interesting short story. Highly recommend if anyone has time. None of us have time, Mike. That's the problem. I know. I know. I just, it's good. <laughs> All right, I'm going to put that on my list. I'm going to put that on my list right here. I'm sure. going to put that on my end, end of the episode list. What was, the, <laughs> what, what, was, what was the title again? The Yattering and Jack. Y-A-T-T-E-R-I-N-G. Yattering. It's a great word. Yeah. Oh, of course, uh, Autocorrect said Battering Jack. And I think that's another book. <laughs> it's like Boxing Helena. Yeah, or like the last season of Lost. Um, <laughs> He's already dead. Fuck him. Uh, you know, it, it, it was uh, it was uh, Sch- yeah, Schroeder, Schrodinger's writer's room, right? He was both dead and not dead. It just depends. By asking the question, you change the outcome. Yeah, a show a show shot in the face by freaking the writer's strike. Oh my god! Right. So uh, before we get too far into it, let me ask you this, Mister Narrative Mike. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I want to do our sucking the monkey se- segment. Let's do um, it. What are you enjoying this fine evening? Tell me, it's a rosé. All right, it is not. It is. The King's Prohibition Cabernet Syrah Blend from Australia, mate. Aha. Uh-huh. Comes in a yeah. lovely bottle. It's uh, a good table wine. Oh, I like Red. that. Yeah. See, I like the way that looks. Does that have some yeah. Shiraz in it or no? Yeah, it's got some Shiraz in it. Shiraz. Um, I, like, I think that's fantastic. I think you made an excellent choice. And like me, you clearly shop by the label. And, oh, uh, it yeah, I bought that bottle because of the way the way it looks. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that wine you brought over to my house when you when you moved out here, and I was like, I see it, I get it. And you, yeah, it had a great label on it. Was it not tasty? It was delicious. That's my point. 
it tasted great and it looked great too it's what i expect of you and in a way it really it really describes you like so uh for me i'm having uh, a delicious ale by fort point which is a local brewer this one is yeah. uh citra park a single hop pale ale mm. in a green bottle and uh, it's delicious. Although the interesting choice I've made is that I've poured it over a several-day fermented glass of fresh fruits. So I've either created something wonderful or something disastrous, but I think it's going to I be really fun. hope your bowel can deal with it. Yeah, everything will be fine. <laughs> well, it, once you put the fruit in alcohol, you don't have to refrigerate it or anything. It just it takes care of itself. Yeah, that's totally how that works. People didn't die from that. No! <laughs> It's like the whole the, the the Darwinism of getting to modern modern uh, modern chemistry and and medicine and gastroscience, right? You know, like <laughs> the the 80th word mortal, uh, uh, you know, tasted the right combination of fermented mm-hmm. somethings, and their bowels didn't fall out the back of them. Exactly, that's the one exactly. we keep. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know how you can spot a master alchemist? They're standing. Yep. <laughs> that's a great joke what is it that they're alive what was it yeah no i mean yeah any any combination of they're above ground works <laughs> well mr man we um you know the last time i think we talked a fair amount about just news newsy news we had a, we went through a lot of news we did. We, we, we did we went with capital n news and lowercase n news newsy news rumored news speculations hypotheses but there have been a few things since then I think we should talk about mm, for sure. The elephant in the room to me is that once again, the wet dream of the basement crowd has come I, true. I don't like this already, <laughs> but pl- please continue with whatever slimy. Well, thing you're ever about since to say. we've had change.org or whatever oh, Jesus, online God. petitions, the, 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 the <sighs> viral fan bases demanded alternates of things. They didn't like it. They come out of the movie, they don't like it. Instead of just ranting at their local comic shop or whatever. Why is there never change? It they, needs they to make, stay the same. And then there's too much change, right? And then the thing yeah. is, yeah, not enough change, too much change. Yeah. Star Wars. But the thing is, it used to Wars. be that they just ranted in their basements or at the coffee shops or at the comic shops. Oh, but now Jesus. It, makes I know where we're going. I know where we're going. Everybody makes a petition. Everybody oh. makes a comment. I want to see this and that. And for like two years straight, we've heard nothing about the the infamous Snyder cut and how it, you know, would really make all the difference because people didn't like justice. I'm going to watch it clearly because clearly it it was, it was, uh, you know, because Whedon took it over and and butchered it. Right. Even though there was no Snyder cut, there was no fucking Snyder cut. But even before that, we were talking about suicide squad. We were talking about other films, even Han Solo. There was questions about what was the version of Han Solo when it was Miller and Lord. It's been always an interesting idea and people who like, uh, these kinds of entertainment stories. It's fun to look at the concept art. It's fun to yeah. look at the director's cuts. It's fun to listen to them. Sure. The commenter commenting, uh, com- uh, the comment tracks where they talk about directions they didn't go or things that happen sure. in post-production or editing mm-hmm. changes. I think that's all fascinating. It's all like alternate universe stuff. Subversions See, would, of these things. I would say the first time like I really like Mike really got a taste for this was in the in the early day the early days of the intranet like oh, yes. in 90, 93, 94, yes. when dot edu 
Yeah, uh, uh, a a a supposed script for Alien Resurrection written by uh, Gibson uh, yes. got released. Yes. And I read that. Yeah. And then I went and saw Resurrection. I was like, what the fuck happened to this movie? GeoCities led me gave sold me a bill of goods and this didn't this is not it. Right. Because I remember reading that script and being like, this is fucking insane. If this is gonna be a movie, this would be great. That's and then cut. That's a classic example of this. Like, I mean, then you go and watch a movie, and if you read that that treatment and watch the movie, you could see where all the bits went. Right. And like how characters got meshed together and ripped apart and turned into different characters. It was very interesting. Um and I and I was one of those twenty year old dick bags who was like, Well, if they just stuck to the script it would have been a better movie. Um well, I mean, but that is interesting, though. In that was it was actually a Gibson treatment. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't yeah. Fa- it wasn't false. It just wasn't anywhere near as ready for filming as the no. as the rumors made it. Like they just yeah. tossed a no. fully formed Gibson script, right? Yeah, no, it was. I mean, also the problem was it's William Gibson, so the aliens fucking won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. You know, I saw a quick. Uh, quick um, um, diverge Ooh, on this so, go ahead uh remind me to come back though but go ahead okay so uh i saw aliens 3 it's one of the f- movies i saw back in the day where i saw the pre-screening the pre-release screening a lot of yeah, the yeah. effects weren't done and oh, that cut oh. of that movie yeah so there was stuff where you're like okay there's green screen well, the, ship's co- the models coming down and you're like okay yeah, yeah. enough of it was there but there were certain things the aliens were there but like the the lander craft and stuff were not they were sure. still um um comped in but what's interesting is that cut of aliens 3 is substantially different than the finished film oh, and i, I actually imagine. quite liked it um i was doing the comment card and i was like well i like this and this and i was looking looking, looking around and People were just pissed off, and they were so bummed because they were just—they wanted James Cameron again. They wanted that run and gun movie, yeah, which they yeah. didn't get. The version I, mean, I saw, yeah. the version I ha- saw, saw had uh, about twenty minutes. Seems like 15, 20 minutes of playing house between her and the Doctor. Uh, and that, like, Vance. like there were bits of that movie where you're like, why the hell do they have this relationship suddenly? In this one, they actually grow yeah. into. They grew into that environment. He invited her into his tent or whatever it is, this little space, yeah. and then they formed a, a partnership of science. Right? They yeah. were the two rational beings in this completely irrational sure. uh, prison planet. That Which was is really important in that movie, right? The whole faith versus science yeah. thing. Yeah, that was why she was drawn to him, and then eventually they became lovers and had a relationship. So sure. when he dies, it was a it was another one of these things where she almost had a, a, a return to human to some humanity and then sure. it's taken from her again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just Which like is they Ripley's did fucking story, unfortunately. Right. And just like the thing about, you know, the daughter she never had in newt. And then they immediately start yeah. off with, sorry, dead newt, you know, and that like that, for, because I was a fan of the comics and like that movie came out. I'm like, fuck you. Like earth yeah. War was fantastic. What is wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. They threw a lot under the bus. And the other thing about the version I saw, and this is, I think is pivotal. In the version I saw, she's on the the gangplank or the catwalk, mm-hmm. and the 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 um, the Whalen scientists and everybody have they've, they've gotten to her and they're like, "Hold on, hold on, don't do anything. Yeah. We think you have, you know, yeah, you know, we need to get you, and you know, for science and all the good reasons and whatever else." 
And she is looking down and she knows that the reason they want her is that she's got a queen egg in her. Oh, yeah. But there was no evidence of it. In the version I saw, she didn't scan herself. Right. It was just a feeling because of how the queen backed away from her in the other one and then because of how the, the behavior of the ones in this one. Sure. She took it on faith that it was in her. And then... Which is a big deal. Faith versus science yeah. movie. Instinct. Yep. Yep. Instinct. Yeah. Maternal yeah. instinct, right? Yep. Yeah. The whole thing about some women saying they know that they're pregnant. Mm. Physiological things, even without the evidence I mean, of it the, yet. The Aliens movies are a giant metaphor for motherhood. Oh, yeah. So like, she, in in the one I saw, she steps away. She gets up on the railing and she steps away from them and she drops into yeah. the pit and that's it. And yeah. I was listening to people moaning about how there was no agency for her and it was like this weird and that's how they kill that's how they kill ripley and all this other shit and then when i go and see it in the theater first of all she sees a scan and she knows she has a egg in her right the second thing is she when she jumps off the railing she goes a, into a jesus christ pose yeah my version didn't have that and then the yeah. most egregious thing it. was and the absolutely most egregious thing was in the film version the chest burster bursts out and she throttles it on oh, the yeah. way down yeah. It was the most it was the worst example for me at that time of studio pandering to screening audiences and their baseline comments. It was uh, very disappointing to see. I mean, it's uh, and this is a this is a dick thing to say. I've tried to find a way to soften it. What I what I call it now is is shots for who those people aren't paying attention. But I used to call it when I was younger, shots for stupid people. Right. You know? It's right. it's the camera focusing on the thing to be like, "Hey, this thing, yeah, you know, as well, opposed but... to just having a nuanced thing, like a, like when you're watching a um, a John Carpenter film and he just goes by a hallway and you have to know which code is missing, you know, because right. that's the fucking alien, dude. Right, right, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. right. Well, or it, is it? Or he takes somebody else's coat, right. and then you have to like which doors open. It's just like God damn that movie's amazing. Sorry, well, well, no, uh, but for those also... of you, that's the thing. The thing is an amazing movie. If you haven't watched it. Go and fucking watch it. It's amazing. I was just listening to someone talking about how when people were ranting about remaking the thing and what an outrage it was, not realizing the thing was a remake. <laughs> That's I, awesome. Are people ha- really like, how could you remake the original? I'm like, mm-hmm. well, and then uh, this is a, I mean, if, if Chris were here, he'd be able to talk more about this, but he, you know, I don't know if you know this, but he was featured in a book. Mm-hmm an art book about the thing and his piece is fucking amazing it It is it's a really good piece i haven't seen that movie in years and years i need to see it again um i know all the beats we need to we need to get together and watch that freaking movie i think so so good i think so i think you know what i'm actually gonna say this i think we should watch it and then the sequel which is not great but it's only not great because they had all the practical effects and overrode them with all the CGI, and the CGI makes it garbage. Are you talking about the the, the newest version, that newest film? Mm-hmm. Is it a sequel to the original film? It, it is. I did not it's know McC- that. It's McCready's sister. I did not see that one at all. I would love to do that. Yeah. One after the other, and then so the uh, so the one thing though about um, uh, the comments, the comment cards influencing the final cut of the movie away from what the director wanted, and then you get this hodgepodge that tries to please everybody and, and ends up pleasing nobody. 
what's interesting about that is we talk a lot about the projects that we see or read or or consume on this podcast and how yeah. Yeah. Um, what we wish they did differently. But to sure. me, the distinction is I do a lot of projects that I feel like I wish they did something different. And there are some projects where I'm, you know, deeply troubled by the missed opportunity. But I never feel like, well, if they knew what was smart for them, they should have done X and Y and I've got it all figured out. It's an opinion. And that's yeah. what I don't like about the comments. I don't like about screenings. I knew it. I figured it out in high school when I was going to these. Sure. I don't like that. I appreciate in my in my adult life that the peer review is a big deal. We all we have it in my industry and your industry. It's a big oh, deal. Yeah. But Same. there still has the to be backbone of my industry. <laughs> sure, but peer review, but peer review where the peers win is not the way it works. Peer review is to test against your original thesis about what you're proposing to do to see if it works, and then you can incorporate comments to improve on it. But peer review, which is no, I don't like that. Do something else, and then that's the answer, is not the way this works. Oh yeah, no, that no, that is not no. The the way it works for, the way it works in my industry is. If, if you have a fundamental flaw in your thinking, it is pointed out. And that is a, right. you need to address this maybe. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Course correct. And yeah. so, but I figured out fairly young that the problem with studios hacking up films to appeal to the lowest common denominator is that they never get it. It just butchers it. The vision is lost. And well, then as okay. adults, we read about that so much on these projects. Sure. Right. So th- I'm gonna I'm gonna say something really unpopular and uncool right now, and okay, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna do okay. it. So I the think CGI saying... they put into nine to five, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. So I think that the line you're trying to draw here is between art and consumable fiction product, right? right. Yeah. yeah. I-, I was trying to think of a better word for it, but I mean, honestly, it's like I- I'm making a food. I am making. Are you making cheese? Are you making a cheese-like product? No, you're absolutely right. But also, and it boils down to this fundamental argument about whether this content, particularly with movies, is it art or is it Mm -hmm. a product? And the whole thing about the studio has every right to mutate it, to market the way they want, mutate it however they need to in order to do what they think is going to improve on their revenue. And and directors who whine about losing their losing their cut and getting locked out of the editing room and all that other stuff or getting the notes from the executives. If they don't have the clout to be able to push it back, they know going in, they don't have that power. And if they're going to, that's the game they play. It's like the, uh, the actors we talked about before that complain about people stalking them on the street. You know, you knew what you were in for. So mm. I'm I'm, going to push back again because it's like, like I understand, but like you get, uh, you know what? I'm not a director. I'm not a director. I'm barely a writer and I get, and like, I'm not an actor. So I I, I have, I have a real hard time being like, yeah, you know, you're going to be a celebrity, but you know, or, you know, you're a director, but you're taking these people's money and they're paying you the money. So you got to do what they say. No, but if you look at, no, but if you look at the, the creators in Hollywood that are honest when they talk about it and they say, I made the choice to walk away from certain projects to make small films that I could completely control. Sure. That's sure. analog that's analogous to me self publishing my you know, post human and all my third rail yeah. stuff my yeah. way, the way I want to, for better or for worse, oftentimes right. probably worse than working with another publisher. I chose to so that I have complete control over it. That's True. my choice. And that's their choice too. And I think that it... the I think that the tragedy is when directors feel like they have been undermined 
it wasn't just that the studio came back and said, yeah, that's not what we were looking for. We're going to chop it up. It's when you read about how they felt undermined throughout the process and their efforts to even create the content, right? They make like 240% of content and they have to chop it down. Their effort to just sure. film is undermined. That's when you start to wonder, like, how, were they set up to fail, right? Yeah, I mean, and we also have, I mean, we, we have to separate the tranks from, you know, the... I was going to say, we talked about tranks. <laughs> yeah, we got to separate the tranks from the fixtures, right? You <laughs> yeah. know, because uh, at, with Alien 3, I'm pretty sure that Fincher learned his lessons and was like, when I'm you know, like, and he got the fight club and he's like, oh, I, I know how to fix this. That's right. You know, what, where it's like, gonna... I want to have your abortion. And it's like, all right, they don't like that line. Here's a worse one. We'll trade it for that one. And they're like, uh, this, this one's fine. I'm like, I think this line is way worse than the one you said no to, actually. Well, it, that's like the, the trick in design where you, uh, you have a scheme you like. And so you make that one and three shitty ones. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it steers them towards the one you like. And then the, oh, yeah. the joke in the industry is they pick one of the shitty ones. You're like, fuck. <laughs> well, you were going to say <laughs> oh. something else about Alien 3. Oh, uh, no. So in the Gibson cut I read, it was a whole bunch of genetic manipulation on the alien genome, right? Right. So how to make them more, I want to say lethal, but that's just yeah. such an yeah. underpowered word. Right, right. And, like, in one of the speed, like, so there's the underwater sphere they go to. Yeah. And there's the, like, the alligator swimming aliens. And there's the flying aliens. There's all these other kind of aliens. And then they get to the plant biome with the spore aliens. Right. And, like, it was, like, once you hit that biome, it's, like, game over. Like, you're you're done. I'm not that educated about this connection, but how much of uh, Prometheus and... uh... Right. That's what I was going to. But... I think they've taken these elements and yeah. put them in the later movies. And it's like, yeah. uh, that's not yours. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, I'm right. like, uh, uh, that's a, this movie is a train wreck and I'm watching it and happy it's made. But why did you steal this in particular? <laughs> right. I found a way to yeah. love both of those movies, even though there were so many horrible decisions made in front of and behind the camera. I mean, but I still down, enjoyed the, the aesthetics des- of them. The art design and the music hands yeah. down. Yeah. Oh, the music, yeah. But I mean, like the art design of those fucking spacesuits in um, Prometheus, and like, yet that is yet, straight pulp fifties sci-fi. It was yeah. beautiful. Speaking of which, did you see Prospect yet? No. What's that? Ooh, I want to write that down for you. So Prospect <laughs> is a it, it's an indie film. Oh, it was in theaters, and then it just recently went to Netflix. I think it's the is one it, with is it uh, the guy and the girl. Uh, maybe it's Pedro Pascal and a few yeah, others, and yeah, they're yeah, in yeah. they're in like late sixties. Oh yeah, no, that was fantastic. I haven't seen yeah. that yet. I'm waiting. It's been on my list for so long, I forgot about it. But anyway, so uh, there's another one in that same genre that is um, like off Central Beat. It's called Osiris's Child. Uh, I think that one's really good too. So, the, okay, so here's the thing about the, the Prometheus and, um, it was Prometheus and what was the, shit, the name, uh, what was the other one? Uh, I just think uh, of him as Prometheus and Prometheus 2, <laughs> like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Uh, 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 this is terrible, we can't remember these names. Yeah, but yeah, then again, we're, we're, it's podcasting after 45, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but the thing about it that 
I think threw me a little bit was oh Alien Covenant was the other one. Mm-hmm. The thing that threw me about the design work was, and I appreciate going back to some of the roots. It's sort of like what Star Wars did successfully with Macquarie, and I feel like they did unsuccessfully with Prometheus, Prometheus and Covenant is they went back to the source, right? They went back to Geiger's mm-hmm. notepads, mm-hmm. and they went and got all of their we- all of his weird underdeveloped like pulpus and <laughs> like the the yeah. the xeno the the proto xenomorphs in oh, yeah. those films are very undefined and weird and i didn't it wasn't that i didn't like that they were white and translucent weird and more bipedal it was that their the shapes of their heads they were evocative yeah. of things we were used to but they yeah. didn't look like a thing that would actually mutate and evolve into or be yeah. spliced into what we got and also it looked like someone it kind of reminded me of like um if you if you know like um in uh in Japanese art history where they would draw the 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 painters would paint of stories they heard from oh, explorers yeah. coming over so you see like the 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 tigers and stuff and they're like wackadoo because it's basically yeah. how it was described to them that's what yeah. that felt like to me those I, I those that. protomorphs or whatever they called them in mm-hmm. the in the movie they the look bishop. like someone huh i think it's called the bishop the bishop yeah cuz he's got Oh right, 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 right. Yeah. Because even in in the one, it was this one, and then 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 it was the tall yeah. ones that were. The, it looks like someone described them to a. I actually I actually liked the ones in Covenant. I felt hmm. they I felt like they felt more. Um, I mean, I hated that they were CGI, yeah. and that's a lie. That's a lie. I'm okay How with CGI. You. Yeah, I know, I know. It just has to be done right. Yeah, it has to be done right. And I felt like the angular... I was going to say the angular momentum because I'm just putting fucking words together at this point. I felt like the the angular design yeah. of those long, lanky aliens yeah. felt right. It felt more ant-like. And yeah. I've always kind of thought they were ants. That's so, an interesting idea. Sure. Yeah. Well, they definitely pulled from... Pre- they feel, They definitely... You could see... Mm, mm. You could see it later... Uh, how point, much they yeah. pulled from the praying mantis, right? Yeah. Particularly yeah. some of the Southeast Asian ones where they have these really wide torsos yeah. and these weird wing-like flares that make them look yeah. like they have larger heads than they do. Yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. queen. That's the queen, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, interesting. The other the other thing, though, is um, you know how we were talking before about uh, in last in uh, the in the last Skywalker, um, mm-hmm. the problem of scale the infinite supply of star destroyers that come sure. out of the, the like, Merc with the, an infinite number of pilots. Yeah. Where'd the crew come from? And everyone and every single one has a, has a death star uh, beam on it and all this other shit. Sure. sure. That it becomes a quantity. It's it's since it can't be quantitatively defined, it becomes meaningless. Yeah. Uh, that's how I felt about the spores in Prometheus. Sure. Because sure. I've always felt when you talk about, these kinds of things whether it's you know spy movies about someone trying to get a dirty bomb going or whether it's uh horror movies or whether it's this kind of alien kind of stuff once you start pushing down towards the um microscopic realm and of course we're experiencing this today with with the coronavirus uh pandemic but i've always thought why you know what you know what is the evolutionary uh, bio- biology behind different creatures we see. Why would it be evolving into super predators or apex predators of their form when it could be involving in the different direction with a different set of stimuli and going small? And when they introduced that in Prometheus, 
and he steps on a spore and it's a and he steps on a plant thing that is the entire hillside is this stuff and we're yeah. looking at it and go oh cool but at the same time there's no hope like it absolutely felt like wait they the entire environment was hostile to him they had yep. no whereas what i liked about the original specifically aliens was when she stepped into the queen's um what's it called like egg room whatever yeah her yeah and the layer the layer and she's looking around and she sees all the eggs as far as yeah, she can yeah. see in other direction it was i went from one at a time one at a time to and the different forms the different forms it takes in its in its re- reproductive development and then you step behind a curtain and here's an infinite supply of eggs but they're not all exploding at once like in no you know, like a bad action movie. It was just right. the promise of, of doom was there. Oh, right. Careful yeah, where you given... fucking step. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. But when they, but, they, but in previous, when they're just walking past and they're releasing spores into what they're into their environment, what they're breathing fucking a, um, yeah. it just felt like yeah. impo- it felt impossible to me. I, I feel, I feel like what poker calls this is showing your hand. Yes, sir. So like, it's yeah. So like you hit that point and you're like, well, you're fucked. Right. Sucks. So right. like, go, well, and it's I storytelling. Mean, also, you know. like those were the dumbest explorers I've ever seen. Don't like, forget his explorers are stupid. Don't forget the xenobiologist who's like, oh look, it looks like a cobra. Oh, <laughs> I'll so touch it. it. <laughs> or the geologist <laughs> yeah. who gets lost in the tunnels. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. his job is to study tunnels. <laughs> and I did like when Billy Crudup. Was Billy Crudup, right? Was the pilot in, mm-hmm. in the one where the one thing yeah. was, as an audience, you're going, "You're so stupid, don't do it." When he, when, uh, when he's at, he's he's gestured to look down into it, yeah. Um, but what I think they just didn't, um, I don't think that they effectively sold to the viewer is that he so implicitly trusted the android. Yeah. No, they, they, like, they, I, he couldn't conceive of the idea that the android would be asking him to do something dangerous, right? And like, that worked. Billy Crudup and Michael Fassbender had. No faults in those movies. Right, they were fantastic, and the the problems with those movies were, I mean, God bless him, Ridley Scott. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, he's wow. definitely at a point where, yeah, he's he's a yeah. caricature of what he was. He doesn't yeah. have the editing. He doesn't have the self edit. But again, at forty seven, I don't. So I understand. Yeah, fuck <laughs> but like, I think I'm amazing. <laughs> but the only other thing about that movie, I mean, I really did enjoy them. Oh my god. How uh how uh Rapace did the step up on Ripley's deal where she used oh, the system Jesus to help Christ. her do her own cesarean section was insane. Don't but, don't get me Numi it's Numi. Yeah. Numi Rapace, yeah. right? Yeah. I find her phenomenal. Like mm-hmm. I, there is never a thing I see her in where I'm like her Miss, right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. She is fucking rocking it. But that she sold it so completely that scene. Yeah. There was more terror in that than oh, most yeah. aliens movies was in that one yeah. scene, right? Yeah. But but the one part I remember watching going, well, I okay, I I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna draw you back a little. Most bit there. alien <laughs> movies, like alien, like the scene with Dallas and the fucking ducks when you don't know what the alien is yet. That is some horrific shit. I agree. But there's a lot of aliens movies that don't have anywhere near the tension of that one scene, is what I'm saying. Now, the one part I remember watching, thinking, "Well, you know, 
I'm going with it because I'm really I'm really open to letting them make do what they want to do in their art, and I'm gonna absorb what I can absorb. It's the whole thing about yeah. why I can like every other Star Trek or Batman movie and say, sure, I like this one, I like that one. It's fine if it if I don't like it, doesn't matter. It's fine with me. I mean, you know my philosophy, right? Solid multiverse. <laughs> I mean that well, helps a yes. lot. <laughs> well, yes, but I was gonna say, no matter how bad the movie is. There is something in there where someone did the perfect thing. Sound, right. set, right. lighting, design, acting, yeah. something. And there's that one moment where you're like, right. perfect. There's there's a gem in there. Yeah. And with the exception of movies like Steel, uh, generally speaking, your experience as a nerd is better off than before that was created. Right. <laughs> so I really want I really want to say that there's a perfect scene in Steel. <laughs> I think there is. It's that last There's part of the credits. Be, right? It's after the credits where they say that no animals were harmed and they thank Vancouver. Maybe there's and then, some and then sound Panavision, and then, and then Panavision's logo oh. comes up and they Shaq say was that just, moment. Shaq was so bad. He's such a bad actor. All right. So the one, the one in the in those uh, in the in the Prometheus uh, Covenant ones that I remember thinking I'm gonna go with this, but I'm guessing a lot of people in the audience aren't having this. It's when Fastbender is, uh, <laughs> like having an erotic moment with Fassbender with their fingers and whatever and playing flutes and whatever the fuck they're doing. I remember like, I don't care. And I wasn't even sure whether Ridley Scott was trying to make some sort of statements about sexuality and about evolutionary biology and any, and, and the corollary between that. Some people believe between uh, sexual identity and intelligence and all that stuff. I have no idea where he was going with it or if he just thought it would be creepy if maybe he's a guy that, you know, 50 years ago was, was curious about those, the videos with the twins in them. Do you know what I'm sure. saying? Like, I don't yeah. know, but I remember thinking, well, that's a risk. Interesting. Interesting choice. I would have yeah. taken 10 more minutes of interesting, different things than 10 minutes of the, of the flute and whatever. But again, it was his movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, at, at the end of the day, the the deal is, is like, look, it's easy to armchair quarterback what, what yes. is or isn't good. Retroact- right? Retroactively, especially. 100%. And, like, it's especially easy after you hear everyone else bitch about a thing. Right. right? It's like, oh, yeah, right. I would have totally done this different. It's like, would you? Right. Would you? Like, honestly, if you ask yourself, would you have done it differently? Yeah. And, like, and if you're yes, how? Because I'm going <laughs> <I'm> to <gonna laughs> guess 10 yeah. times out of 20, yeah. like, yeah, no, that's not better, brother. Well, but also the, the, or the sister. Concept, well, the concept of the armchair critic um, mm-hmm. is also that it takes ninety nine percent of the skill and experience and wayfinding away from the process, and it's just reacting to a thing, which is oh, yeah. infinitely easier. If you think about oh. how how what mortal terror you'd be in to try to create the thing in the first place. I was reading the. Uh, I was starting to go through. I go through the art, the Star Wars art books, very slowly. Oh my god! And I right? just, I'm on like page twelve of the Skywalker one. I got a belated gift for my birthday, and I'm kind of going through it. And one of the things I read was, oh, you know, Abrams only had two and a half years from start to finish on this, whereas, you know, the previous one he had three, and on Last Jedi, you know, Ryan had three and a half years. And I was just sitting there, and I was trying to wrap my brain around pre-production to post-production three and a half years right just imagining and i know that you don't just walk you don't just trank it 
and walk out onto the onto your set and not know what you're doing and have huh? no sh- no okay. shooting schedule or anything. Look, I don't. I'm not just. I don't know Josh Trank. <laughs> What's <laughs> the most that hard? But watch out. Yeah, no, apparently fair. he sleeps with a gun. You got to be careful. Yeah. I know, right? Well, I'm just saying. So, like, I know those guys are coming in with the experience and the knowledge about how to do a movie, how to make a movie, and it's not like the '80s where the guy on coke just shows the producer <laughs> shows up on coke and says, "Make a spider." The the Peters stuff, right? But, oh my god, so good! Just, have you seen Have you seen the uh, Key and Peele sketch about Gremlins too? No. Oh my god! Okay, you need to go watch that. It's right. so good. <laughs> it is such a good, I think, distillation of what the hell was happening at that point. In time. I'm 100% down with that. Um, you know what I mean, though? Like, the armchair yeah, critic no, doesn't do. have to... Yeah, they, no. they don't have to make the decisions of, what do I shoot? If, if you've <laughs> ever looked... I mean, as a as a as someone who's created comics, generally I wrote and, and, and drew my own stuff, but I have taken exercises where I have drawn someone's script for the steampunk yeah. stuff, and I've yeah. taken... And then earlier in my life, I took scripts that I got online and tried to draw them. And going back to the Marvel... How to draw comics the Marvel way. They sure, gave you some yeah. scripts and said, "Hey, break this down." I'm gonna tell you, when you're when you're reading the script, particularly if it's not one where they said, you know, they're doing the camera angles and stuff for you, whatever, which I don't mm-hmm. really like, but taking the script and trying to execute some visual concept and composition and flow, whether it's comic art or whether it's filming this for a movie, it's really fucking hard. And the yeah. more I think about that side of it, the more I think that even the shittiest most just like what the fuck happened movie that we see it makes you wonder what they were working with because not only did they attempt to translate a script and things went off the rails maybe with you know people were intervening and changing things on the day of the shooting and all kinds of other stuff or the stories we hear about constant rewrites and the daily script changes and everything else but who even knows if they had a shooting think about the times they didn't even have a shooting script right i mean for every iron man for every Iron Man, we have a yeah. whole lot of movies that are on like direct to video that are the same problem. Daredevil ones. Daredevil ones. And so I think I think that even the worst piece of dog shit is incredibly impressive as a as a collection, like a helicopter, a collection of moving parts yeah. <laughs> in loose formation. <laughs> it's sure. amazing that it works at all. And to armchair it critic is. it afterwards, it's much easier. Because you're like, well, you made some decisions. Now I'm gonna edit those decisions. Yeah, and and the and the risk I think is leading to what I was we were starting with in the first place in this discussion. I think the issue is the studio system of doing pre screenings and then using all of that, um, not just for the movies but market research on everything under the sun, devolving well, sure. to the lowest common denominator affects how not only does it affect the finished product in disastrous ways these these fucking bad tripe soups of movies that were once something interesting, but also no offense if you like tripe. But also, no. the more dangerous thing, I think, is there's a lot of Christopher Columbuses out there. There's a lot of these directors that know how to make the movie, that mainstream movie that the studio is going to like just fine. Mm-hmm. Right? And he, he actually could do interesting movies, too. But he did a lot of them in his, in his career where he's like, eh, I know how to do this. I'll just <laughs> you know, I'll connect these dots. This is exactly what they want. Well, I, I, like, I'm not I'm not. That's a disaster that. to me. I'm not going to shit on that. Because... So, I shall shit on. I, and that's fair, and that's it's all I have in this discussion. It is his choice, but also everyone He's gets a product, their right? everyone gets their movie, right? right? right. So a, a thing that Ruby has taught me, which I think is very important, is, hey, maybe this isn't for me. 
That's exactly right. That's exactly is a very right. important statement to say. Like I like I saw I saw the the new trilogy, right? Yeah. I saw the first one, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, I love it!" And my like a whole bunch of my friends were like, "Garbage!" And I was yep. like, oh, "Oh, okay, that that's cool." And I'm I'm happy that that I liked it, and I'm sorry you didn't like it, but that's. And yeah. then they wanted to have this argument with me about how it was garbage. I'm like, "Yeah, prove hey, me wrong." Yeah, hey, it's it's that's cool. I'm I don't I'm not trying to dissuade you. It's like certain friends of ours when Han Solo is what I'm saying. Uh, not gonna throw stones. <laughs> but then like, the second movie come out came out and like, oh my god, the yeah. backlash on that one. I was like, all right, this is I I'm I like it and it's a good movie and maybe it's just not for you. Yeah, you know. Yeah, why it's are we like, debating it? Right. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just can it not be for you? Is that okay? Is it what okay I'm... for? Something to have been made in the world, not for you? Right, but what I'm saying is that there are a lot of creators who have have concluded that they're <laughs> they've concluded that their stock and trade is the mainstream. They're gonna make the product, not the art, and they're going to do it just fine. They're gonna be totally happy with it. My kids are watching a whole bunch of this kind of these sure the pet's way home, a dog's journey into another room or right. whatever they are no, no, they are I, the most generic claptrap and i'm sitting there thinking and yet they were filmed specifically to be what they are yeah. my daughter loves it my wife is crying everybody and seems to be sopping up the hallmark special version of this movie and they're doing a goddamn good job doing it because if they if they set out to do that and the creator yeah. and the actors were all like i'm totally fine with this and this is what i'm going to do yeah you know what good on them what i worry about is the stories you you hear about where they sort of in retrospect say I lost my way yeah. because I needed no. to be commercially successful. So I did, I wasn't true to myself. That's the part because regrets are terrible. Right. Thing. But then, but then you, then you can look at the other side of that coin where you have like, uh, I'm going to throw somebody in the bus and I feel bad about it, but I, I, I love his films, Yeah, but like Soderbergh, right? Yeah. So Soderbergh totally overdubbed uh, Gina. Um, oh yeah. Gina Carano. Yeah. Right, because he didn't like her voice, and I'm like, and actually, she's got a super sexy voice. It's really yeah, shocking. like brother, you're, yeah. you're you're wrong. But <laughs> like, he has a hundred percent control of his shit. And yeah, he has a vision. <laughs> he has a vision that's not quite like okay. You need to back off a little bit, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> like I love there is. Well, he got a, he, he got a, name... obsessed with that porn star, and then decided to make a whole movie about the porn star. And you're like, was a, wow! Did you did you watch it? The Girlfriend no, Experience is actually a really good movie. Is it really? It's really creepy, but it's it's an awesome kind of introspective look into this. Uh, sex worker is not the right term. I guess it's a sex worker, right? Because yeah. it's yeah. the Girlfriend Experience. Yeah, it's a yeah. Um, but like, I really I dig his vision. Like, yeah. I like when I watch his movies because, like, you watch the Oceans trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Oceans Eight fits in it. I'm just saying the the first yeah, three, yeah, the original, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, you watch that trilogy and you watch him write three different heist movies, right? Like everyone's like, oh, they're the, they're the same heist. I'm like, they're not. This one is a straight up '60s heist. This one is a film fucking noir slash 1950s like stylized heist. And this last one is the '80s, like. 
you're watching three different heist movies with the same cast. That's you know? exactly right. Um, like uh, there's some there's some visual elements in the in Ocean's Twelve that are straight up Greek myth. Like it's beautiful. It's beautiful, and people hate it. <laughs> you know, uh, Ocean's Eleven though was a lot like. Um, it was a lot like the usual suspects. It was such a perfect thing for what it was. Yeah. That yeah. that to evolve past it, like I was glad that they never tried to go back to usual suspects. But oh, yeah. it was impressive that he went back to Soderbergh went back to Oceans the Oceans Eleven series, doubled down on the charisma and the audacity, changed the genre of that type of storytelling and yep. kept going yep. and made it and made it um viewable, which yeah. I think is I think that's pretty awesome. Um have you have you watched Underwater yet? No. I it's in okay. my list but as you know it's only on my list because I like um three of the actors very much and there's a lot of third rail style design work I see in the costumes. <laughs> dude dude like I was watching a movie like did Tom work on this movie? <laughs> <laughs> there's sockets there's sockets on all this like monochromatic off-white armor and then there's like threes like, everywhere I, know. I knew i was gonna like this movie and i went with a, a friend of mine from college and we sat down and we started watching it and like maybe 10 minutes in we both did you're like holy shit and like yeah. the movie just went from there and it was yeah. solid it's a I, I really solid look fucking to movie it. it is a love letter to alien I'm yeah. It looks like it. I, I just on this tangent that we're on with uh, Soderbergh, my two favorite Soderbergh movies are, okay. uh, an old one, and then a new one. Okay. So I absolutely love Out of Sight. Oh, hundred percent. That is a solid ass movie. And it's really unfortunate that um, that Jennifer Lopez had hit or miss projects and then bounced around like many actors do between sure. different types of projects, but the heat that I had on her coming off of that film, I was like, everyone has no idea what this, this woman is like as an actor right. until you watch that film and you say, Oh, oh my God, yeah. you know, she's, she's actually an actor. And I loved George Clooney. I loved the set. I loved the composition of it. First frame of the movie and the last frame of the movie, everything about that movie loved it. I mean, the fact that that movie spawned a series that no one talks about. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, are you kidding me? This movie had like a TV series. And Who it was played like, the marshal in the TV series, by the way? I'm I trying don't to blank. Remember. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. She was, but it was, it's like, no, this, this movie was popular. You just refused to admit it. I loved it. And, you know, at the time, I mean, except for certain friends of mine that were kind of into the similar sort of genre stuff that I was into for the most, for the most part. It just kind of came and went. People didn't. Um, it's like people didn't uh, connect to it. Yeah. Right. Right. Like it was like often. It was like it was often the the fringes of what people were willing well, to accept. People don't like it when you have gray people. Like he was a he was a fucking criminal, but she loved him anyway. Like it's it's a tough yeah. movie. Yeah. You know. Well, so and then the most re- and then the other one that's of my favorites uh, that is very recent is um, Logan Lucky. Lucky Logan. 
Lucky Logan. When I said Logan Lucky, I was trying to trick you. Um, it's called it's yeah. called Logan. Oh it my is God. called Logan. It is called Logan Lucky. Is it really? Yeah. I've yeah. always read Luck, Lucky Logan. Oh my God, that's insane! Yeah. You made so. me doubt myself for a minute there, but uh, I remember at the time all the scuttlebutt was about whether or not the screenwriter existed, right? Because it was this unknown screenwriter, sure, and everyone's sure. like, "Well, you know, it's a you know they don't they don't actually exist." Rebecca Blunt, who is this person? They don't actually have a history. They're fabricated. Right. Uh, IMDb profile and all this, and the the thought was that he wrote it under a pseudonym, but in sure. fact, it, and apparently, it was his wife, Jules Asner, who wrote it. But that's cool. I, yeah, it, it oh remains one of my Daniel, favorite heist movies. Daniel Craig's character oh. in that are you taking? Oh my god! Oh, and, so and the way and the way it ends, you have so much oh, yeah. emotional connection to these characters, and you're mm-hmm. so thrilled that they got away with it somehow. And All everything's of them. great. And Even then they, the investigator. And then she like, shows up at the end, and you're like, "Oh God!" Right? The last. But she's off. But she's off the case. I don't she's think so. Just, I think she's I, off. I don't think so. I she's think that that done. was the 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 principal thematic concept in the story was when the Lucky Brothers, yeah, or the Logan Brothers, the Lucky Brothers, right? When the Lucky brother, Brothers are happy or in love, yeah, bad things happen. That's fair. And she came to the bar. They got and away she, with everything. Yeah. Everything was great. He sees her. He's so happy. And yeah. you know the other shoe's going to drop. So sure. I think that the ba- I thought that the, I took it as no, this is a very Empire Strikes Back ending. Sure. No, no. I get what you're saying. I just I so we know from the movie that she has been that case has been closed. Right. 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 That's all I'm saying. Like yeah. no, she is still investigating. You are 100% correct. Right. But that case Right. Is closed. It's closed. So it's like, no, she knows it's not true, but how's that case? It's closed. Case closed. <laughs> well, okay. So we've talked about the danger of of fans having too much agency in saying what should or shouldn't happen in the content that they consume. They're yeah. polarizing, rabid and negative interactions with each other, such as the DC fans trying to tank the Marvel movies by creating Rotten Tomatoes, uh, false Rotten Tomatoes credits and all this other stuff. But but also, there's this thing where creators, because of this, this thing where these fans would say, I don't like the way something happened. I want to see the other version of this film. I bet the director has another version of this that was better. And more, and initially, a lot of them were taking this high road. They're like, well, no, that's what it was, and that's where we are, and that was the product of a lot of 350 people working on that film, and that's what you got. But yeah. more recently, you start to see some of these directors saying, yeah, actually, I'll be honest with you, there was a different version, and my version was quite a bit better. And, you know, there's a movie you haven't seen that is my version of this movie, and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes Do you have blame it's... for this? Do you have blame for this? Who? Blade Runner. I think that might be. I I was gonna pull. I was gonna bring it around to Blade Runner, but I think you're right there. I apologize for cutting you off. No, but that's it. But no, I mean but... it's honestly. How many fucking versions of Blade Runner did we get? Right, I have in my living room. Yeah. A a multi disc set that's like all the versions of Blade Runner. I'm like, <laughs> why is there more than fucking one? Uh-huh. Yep. Like the one that went in the theaters was the one we saw, and then everyone's like, yeah, but voiceovers are stupid and i'm like well blake and i when when blake and i saw blake and i saw 2049 and we came back at like three in the morning and then like two days later we did our recording on it 
And one of the things we talked about at the time was how how fourth wall and strange it is as adults and at a time in our history where we have so much access to the back end and the production and how the sausage is made, how mm-hmm. surreal it is and possibly destructive it is to go into a movie like that knowing that Ridley Scott and Harrison Ford could sit there and say, yes, he's a replicant. No, he's not a replicant. Yeah. And they're both right in their own minds. Yep. Yeah. And to be fair, the movie was cut in such a way, well, the original version was cut in such a way that it could be either way, right? And so... Oh, you mean, sorry, Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Well, not, but, the original yes. Blade Runner. Yeah. So we're saying yeah, going into 2049... I thought, I thought you were saying 2049. I was like, no, is pretty definitive about what No, was. no, no, no. I'm saying going into 2049, we're yeah, talking yeah. about a context yeah. in which the two, and, two major principles in it had varying opinions about what it was. Yes. So... Are we adding into 2049 the three animated shorts that... I, I wasn't, but I am. I like them. I think... Yeah, no, I think we should because, like, Villeneuve said... Villeneuve? Villeneuve? Villeneuve. 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 Just Villeneuve? Yes. God, I suck at non... Like, I'm, I'm a very American. Villeneuve. Dennis Villeneuve. Like, said, these are parts of my universe right and like you watch those three is it three or four it's three right three three animated plus the oh plus the short with um batista oh fuck there's four then because there's the short with um i'm gonna say asshole and that's terrible uh jared leto yeah 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 um they're all part of canon yeah who i do not think is an asshole no no to be fair i i i I th- uh, the character is an asshole. He's not going to marry Jared Leto is, is an amazing actor. <laughs> um, a bit too method for my tastes, but I am not hiring him. I love so, him in that movie, man. No, um, no, no. Villeneuve was very definitive about what was happening in yeah. the past, in the past yeah. and in the present in his film. I'm just mm-hmm. saying we went into that film saying, holy shit, man, it's really weird when there's nothing definitive in this canon because the two major creators of it, the director was flippity-floppity about it, the screenwriters have been different, diff- have differed on it, and the main actor has said it's something different. And yeah. the fact that it holds up with each of those, it's sort of like some of the movies we talk about, where like we have a couple of theories and oh yeah, you know, d- you know, uh, I think it's what makes Blade Runner an amazing film, especially for the right. time. Right, but that's like, what started this process. But this is the yeah. process that started the director speaking out to in interviews saying I had a vision and I didn't get to show it to you. And one day, if you're lucky, you'll get to see my version of it. And that's what to me started this started us down the road that led to years of fans demanding the, the virtual cut of a film that doesn't even exist because they're convinced uh, that their that their beloved content and their beloved creator is going to produce something better than what they got. And then those creators start to buy into it. They trank themselves, right? And Ayers well, did it and everything. But the Snyder so, thing, they've been talking about the Snyder cut. Okay, it did okay. not fucking exist. It did not it, exist. It didn't. It didn't. But, okay, I'm going to, I'm actually, I'm going to take the other side of this argument, which I think would make the podcast great. So, yes, to make, to make the point, um, I would say that the fact that we now live in a universe or a world with enough. In a world. In a world. <laughs> Driven mad, but no. So 
it, we live in a world that has access to all the media and all the and all the cuts and all yeah. the raw right. footage where anyone can grab that and make their version of that movie right. and present that to people because like we'll talk about these things and then I'll be like yeah but apparently Topher Grace has made a right. cut of the and like right. it's right. amazing right. and I would love to see it and it's true I actually want to see other people's cuts of things I love. Sure. I want to see what their vision of what I love is and if it matches what I love. And if it doesn't, that's okay. Like, well, if I'm not take... going I'm not going in the direction I think you think I'm going in with this. Oh, I'm not saying okay. that okay. this news is a bad thing. I'm yeah. saying it's a surreal moment in in You're right. entertainment. You were not going where I thought. It's a surreal moment in entertainment when the creators so that it was everyone else but him saying that the Snyder cut existed, which is different than saying I had a vision for this film and then it fell apart and these things happened and believe it or not, this, the suicide and other stuff and I'm off the film and they finished it a different way. Uh, and I would prefer. Okay. But he, he said I had a vision and yeah. I had storyboarded other things uh-huh. that was translated by his by his other actors and other people and the fans as being there is another cut, which is not the case. To say there's a cut means that there's a version that if you splice it together, it existed. It wasn't filmed. They didn't have that. There's a version of the movie, the promise of a film that people didn't get that they want. Well, they have they have actors doing something that are different. They had so... bits. They had parts that were filmed, but not yeah. a cut of a movie that could be compiled as is right. without additional content. And, but and that's I what wanna... I think... Go ahead. I want to throw this on the table. I'm not a Zack Snyder fan. Okay. Like, uh, I think his stylized movements are art. Yep. Like, his slow-mo is 300. magnificent. 300. And, yeah, th- 300, Sucker Punch, fucking that Watchmen. death scene of wa- in Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Like, like he, he has a vision for things. Right. I'm not a fan of his overarching vision. Right. Like, but like that man has a fucking talent. Well, and... that's the thing. I, and you know, in fact, a friend of mine, uh, Blair, actually said I, I had said, well, I made some comment that that suggested that I didn't think that Snyder had vision. I said something like, you know, that people are extrapolating and assuming that he had a vision. Why? Why aren't other directors who have a vision for their projects that have that are undermined by the system given these kinds of opportunities why does it have to be the snyder cut that gets this kind of attention and i realized and and after he and i talked about it i realized that i was not giving him a fair shake in that regard he does have vision and i like the way he frames things i like his vision his eye his his relationship with his cinematographers i like a lot of those choices i don't like the thematic material and i don't like an edit i don't like the editing Right. Yeah, right. he needs a fucking writer. Yeah. He needs to not do all that shit himself because, sorry, brother, I shit's hollow. I actually, I mean, I'm an apologist on a lot of the DC Universe stuff. Fucking Man of Steel. I like Man of Steel. I they had big problems with part, huge parts of it, but I liked some. I liked tonally, and I liked a lot of the imagery mm. of some of the Wait. some of the some of the movie. Shit. Sorry. Sorry. No. Uh, Man of Steel is Man of Steel is Superman one. Wait, uh, who, who's who is the actor? Henry Cavill. Oh, it's the first Henry Cavill movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, other than Paul Kemp being a fucking douchebag, yeah, I'm great with it. 
Yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't. Yeah, right. Yeah, mm. I can't. I actually like that movie. I even found I, I appreciate why everyone was so upset about the Zod moment, but and I think he could have solved that any number of ways. But I understood why that they... was. Like, I mean, the the thing I liked best about that was, hey, superhero, Superman level heroes, like Superman hero, sorry, Superman level villains destroy cities well but so here's the thing i think that something was somewhat lost in the editing of that film because to me it was very clear that smallville was fucking destroyed and and yeah uh, and oh and yeah that, and uh metropolis was fucking destroyed oh and yeah he's snapping necks all because he was not trained in what he's doing he was led down a path of over over of um overestimating his ability to deal with things because nothing approached him at all in terms of being a challenge to him i thought he is his he had very little combat skill so much of the damage that was happening was because he was making choice he wasn't making choices that benefited the environment he was focusing like a football player on his target and I thought leading up to him choosing to, to which snap is what Zod's... they led up to with all those with all those vignettes, right? Him saving the oil rig, him, right. him, yeah. He wasn't doing the smart play; he was no, doing he was the doing... simple play. Yeah. And they were leading; they were taking us on a journey of a growth of a guy going from a god level adolescent to a, to a someone with some wisdom about how to yeah. do things and knowing that. Their biggest challenge, because I always thought the biggest thing about the Superman myth was, how do you get anything done if you can never save everybody, but you can hear them all in peril, and yep. almost everything you do has a ripple effect that's destructive? Yeah. That's yeah. the kind of story, the Kingdom Come version of Superman. That's the yeah. kind of story that I find fascinating with him. So I thought they were leading up to him oh. snapping Zod's neck being a thing that he looks back on and says, oh. I made a terrible mistake. Not only yeah. was he the last of the species, but yeah. I could have blinded him. Right? Yeah, could have done I could have done could have many his, things. Could have put my hand over his eyes because I'm not hurt by that shit. Right, right. Yeah. I didn't have to use the blunt instrument to defeat yeah. him. There could have been a better way. And then yeah. I remember thinking at the end of Man of Steel that the next evolution of this character was him learning to restrain himself and learning yeah. to look at how to minimize collateral damage. Yeah, because but it was we such never got a, that movie. Yeah, because it was so heavy-handed. It was such a character in Man of Steel, the it collateral was. damage. And yeah. then we jumped straight to Batman v Superman, which is jumping way ahead, and they did not earn it. And then no. there was so many compromises in that film. And then we jumped Although, into Justice League. I will say, I will say, uh, the one, the one, like this is the one moment for me. The thing I found that was like, yes, was when you understand when they uh, when they made Gotham and Metropolis Twin Cities, which is yeah, yeah, fuck you, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. When that was like, this is the thing. And you're like, oh, sure. Bruce would fucking lose his shit over that. That makes total sense. Right. Where it's, right. it's like, it's like, no, fuck this guy. I'm like, yeah, no, Bruce would be like, fuck this guy. That's fair. The, those sequences um, are some of the best. They are the best of what I liked about Ben Affleck in that role was yeah. him as Wayne driving that cool looking but underpowered uh, Jeep. Uh that's really a four-cylinder fucking uh, like Civic. I love the way it looks, but it was it was it was matte black. It was none more matte. 
and he's swerving through the smoke and you have all that 9-11 imagery and he's mm-hmm. running through the shit and he's just like looking at all the wreckage of his people. Oh yeah, that there was, was so powerful. Yeah, yeah. And watching, and that's why in the beginning beats of that movie, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is at least, yeah. this is how they're going to sell Batman v Superman is, yeah. this is Superman is being held accountable for this destruction by someone who is right suffered from it and has become has had 15 years to fucking stew and has yeah, be, and made himself an anti-superman weapon i got that part and then it fell apart oh 100 percent. no and with justice no, that's, league that's what i'm saying like yeah and i will give justice league one i'll give him this there was one thing i liked in justice league which was that um lex luthor had his painting upside down yeah which was fucking amazing but, I, I, lo- I love Jesse Eisenberg as Luther. Yeah. I was like... I really didn't mind it. I'm sold. I'm good. Now, I I was gonna, I was just going to swear that we were going to find out that he was the son of Lex Luthor. And that Brian Cranston was Lex Luthor. That and was going to awesome. be yelling at him in prison or something. And he'd be like... Mm, and then take over. I thought that that was going to be his story. That would have been cool. But... Luthor was like Superman, living in yeah. the shadow of the of the strengths and weaknesses of his father that seemed the story that he would have wanted to tell and then it was not can we can we back up real quick yeah to man of steel yeah the crypt the kryptonians yes were fantastic right they fucking loved their anthracite and they loved all their little sharper image toys man didn't they so like yeah but like <laughs> michael shannon and yeah who's yeah. the woman uh I fucking forget her name yeah yeah all right, here. Let I suck. Please, please give her name so we can have it because I suck. Go on. She on. was yes. fucking amazing. Are you talking about? You're talking about um, uh, Zod's uh, Zod's lieutenant. Yeah, Z- Zod's lieutenant. Um, her. Oh God. Well, Ferora is the character's name. I don't even yeah. know. I'm gonna try it. Antia Trow. Hello. She was awesome. Antia Trow. She's from like Germany. and I loved, you know what I loved, stylistically, I loved the militaristic heads up displays inside oh, yeah. the Kryptonian armor. Oh, fucking great! Like, I mean, I get that what they're doing is just fucking half-assing Iron Man armor, but no, but I like the design. It was cool. And it and 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 think of how much I've ranted about um, the connections and the lost connections in design evolution in Star Wars. And Star Trek mm-hmm. and other and other stuff that span long periods of time, and you can't you can't connect the dots in terms of the design logic. I right. felt like you saw in them and their armor; it was very consistent with what you saw in Krypton. It yeah. did not look like a different studio. You know, they farmed it out to oh, different effects wait, houses sorry. and design houses. I can't talk about this. I, I've never watched Krypton. No, no, no. I'm saying their armor. Felt oh, internally consistent yes. with the kinds oh. of technology Fuck, they showed yeah. on the planet Krypton. hundred percent. Yes. You never. It, it seemed initially. It seemed so strange that they would show up in armor when they're invulnerable, and then you wrap your mind brain around the fact that no, in ninety nine point nine nine percent of their experience, yeah. they're not. That's only Earth invulnerable, right? That was yeah. the whole thing. So and I, I really that was an amazing thing in the movie. I really dug the fact that. It's not that they're invulnerable once they get to Earth. Right. It's an accl- acclimatization. They have to acclimate right. to Earth. Right. It's like it takes time. Clark was, Remember Zod Clark felt was that. Born, like yeah. I really dug that they showed Clark having asthma at the beginning. It was like, yeah, what? 
But yeah, he's fucking growing up in an alien environment and his body has to adapt. Yep. You know? And the actor at the time playing Clark Kent at age 13 was Dylan Sprayberry, named after the inhaler. Um, so, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> Wait, Dylan Sprayberry. are you not kidding? I'm not. <laughs> Dylan Sprayberry. <laughs> yeah, but but the inhaler's not named Sprayberry. No, I'm just saying the spray inhaler. <laughs> I just, I'm just saying. If you were Dylan Aspartame, I, no, that's, that's a sweetener. <laughs> Dylan Aspartame. I, Dylan Ibuterol, I guess, that, would be. Is that your true name, sir? Um, so anyway, listen, what we're boiling down to is that the news was out that finally that um, and it dropped in such a way that I thought it was fake. Because it was so ha- it was so half assed in terms of its presentation. But the news came out this past week that the Snyder cut, quote unquote, was going to happen, that HBO Max had funded mm-hmm. a new version of this film and they were going to go back to the well and give it back to Snyder and say, take all of the existing material, pull all the weed and stuff out. Take all the footage that you didn't use, film new stuff. I mean, movie budgets worth added, right? I mean, yeah. probably they said someone said thirty million, and then the the WB uh, executive that they were interviewing with laughed and said, "I wish it was 30, 30 million. So they're spending a shit ton of money to finish this. Well, it may be a mini series. Make it back. It may be a mini series. We don't even know what it is. But yeah, I just think that this is such a strange, exceptional moment. In in entertainment, where they would, where the studio would go back, and I know they're gonna they're doing this like uh, CBS did with Discovery. They're using it as a pin to express get people's and Mandalorian was for Disney Plus. It's to get people interested in the streaming service, but to actually go back to, to basically go back on that project. This is not like saying it's not like Snyder saying, uh, you know. I, I sued for or I bought the rights to this and I'm going to make my version. This is the studio that but that funded and produced and released this movie saying, go back and do it again. It's fine. And that's astounding to me. And what I find interesting, whether, and I don't know yet whether, I can't wrap my head around whether this is a good precedent or a bad precedent. It's already happening, right? Like within a day, people were ranting about, what, are we going to get an Ayers cut for Suicide Squad? And I'll be the first in line to say, I bet, I, again, it's not a cut. He claims it's a cut. I still think it's not. You could say he had three hours of Joker footage. Yes. But also, he had a version of that movie that wasn't uh, googly-eyed, googly-eyed generic bad guys and then uh, and then uh, demons at the end. He had a version of that movie that was a much smaller scale. I would have liked to have seen that version. But sure enough, they say, hey, where's the Ayers cut? And he's like, oh, yeah, well, there's a... I'd love to show it to you. There is a version that you didn't see. I don't blame him because yeah. he could have made a better well, movie than that was. So, and now we have the four, the four that, hour Revenge but, of the Sith that they're asking for. Uh, no one, no one's asking for that. No, so, it's quite. It, it's a big mm, deal online. The last two days, where's our yeah. four? You know, Lucas said there was four and a half hours of footage. I want my F, Revenge of the Sith. F minus. F minus. We've seen. <laughs> we've seen the character studies that Lucas provides, and they are. Shallow, yeah, but whatever, fine. Anyway, the the man provided me with my childhood. I love him, but I swear to God, those first three movies were not. Sorry, one, two, and three. I I could poke a. a, Yeah, it doesn't even take a big needle. Like it's (laughs) anyway. So, all right. So going back to the precedent that's been established here. But why not let him? 
Yeah. Let them. There I'm is not saying it's a bad no thing. No harm in this. Right. You have so right. if I were a studio executive, which I'm not for many reasons, right. if I were, I would let any up and coming fucking director that wants a job with me, I would say, What genre do you want to fucking play with? And they would be like, I want to be sci-fi. And I would hand them all the raw fucking footage from a tried and true movie that we have. Because yeah. it's all digital now. Right. Fuck you. It's not celluloid. I have every fucking take right. on digital video. And be like, here you go. Edit this fucker down to a movie that makes sense. And I want it to be 45 minutes. But a movie's I say what a movie is. I want you to make me a coherent 45-minute story out of all this material. Go. Yeah. Like, you hire an editor. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you know what a director does, motherfucker? Right, right. Yeah. You know? It just doesn't have that. Give it that Barton Fink feeling. <laughs> <laughs> you come into another man's house? <laughs> but I mean, so, honestly. You throw have a rock and you'll hit him. And do me a favor, Fink, throw it hard. You have all this raw footage. If you have up-and-coming talent you think can do a thing, let him do a thing. Yep. Fuck it. Let anyone do a thing with your raw footage. See what happens. Well, Find but I think the it's, new talent. But I think it's a really interesting... It's not just that you're going to do another project with that material or, or the fact that we can allow for multiple versions of a movie, like the multiple Blade Runners or two different versions of Justice League that will happen. I, I'm okay with that because, I, you know, it's like when I read about the versions of the movies we saw and what they could have been. Fine. Sure. But what I think is interesting is the same creator was given the keys back and said, go back and finish. Do it your way. Um, I think that's a really fascinating exercise because it's one of the first. Now, they've couched a lot of this in, well, you know, he had to back out because of a family issue. And there's some questions about that. But the reality is, it's also the studio saying, yeah, it was very divisive, and you had a, you wanted to do it a different way. We're going to walk it back and let you start over. That's a really big thing for the studio to say. They're not it saying is. that the, the Justice League that was in theaters was a disaster, even though it performed the poorest of all of their movies. Well, it was and it, garbage. And it didn't... Um, it, yeah, uh, it, didn't, you know what? it didn't make good on the on its potential. But they're actually, but they're the actually saying, yeah. For the audience, when I say it's garbage, yeah, I am specifically referencing almost entirely the treatment of Wonder Woman's character because when fucking and Batman, Lois Lane, oh sorry, and Lois Lane, fair. Yeah, when Batman turns to Superman, it's like, did you bring her? It's like motherfucker, she came in your car. Motherfucker, <laughs> you drove her here. You know where she came from. You hit on her. You're a dick. <laughs> and like, uh, none of you like. I, and you gotta love the the Snyderverse version of the Amazonians have all the boob armor and everything, and the and the stylized up skirts and all that stuff. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk <laughs> about it. It makes me depressed. But for those of you who don't know me, yes, me talking shit about Batman. Is like, like, I okay. I am not a hundred percent Batman. I'm a hundred percent Nightwing. Right. But, like, 
Batman is at least 70%. So, like, to talk shit about that is... Right. Like, it's it's just... It's a bad decision writing-wise when you make Batman not look at all the... Like, if Batman forgets who he drove to a fucking fight scene, it's like, um... You're the... Snyder's you're the, Batman. This is one... the best detective in the world. So no, but you know what? You this is one of many... Shit. This is one of many reasons why I'm excited about that... Uh, you know the the new version of Batman that we're supposed to be getting that is that is mm-hmm. the detective and it is yeah. a raw noir story that's all we've been asking for the, yeah the Snyder version of Batman is a guy whose detectiving is opening PowerPoint presentations and folders that have that Lex Luthor's marketing department actually put together graphics for the folders and little icons and things and he clicked them. Is this you? That letter that he wrote, you know, tell me this is you, period. Is this you? Question mark. I want to know. Look at this photo. Am I dreaming? God bless him. Like, he's just, it's, he's got He did not write the character the way he needed to be. No, I mean, no. Who writes Batman the way he needs to be? Grant Morrison can write Batman. Yeah. The way he needs to be. Mark Millar wrote a great Batman the way he needs to be, but it's called Nemesis. Uh, but it's called uh, Nemesis. And it's... I disagree. Give me I a break. Disagree. Nemesis am, was great. I, I am not a big Mark Millar fan. Well, I, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it didn't have its its weaknesses, and I and and it'll be interesting to see how they translate it into live action, so, which they're going to do. Ooh. But I like the idea that the same. Uh, it's just like Dark Superman stuff. I like the no. idea that the same triggers. Led him down a very dark path instead of. A, I disagree. I think if you want to write that story, you write a Mac, Matt Wagner Grendel story because yep. that's the real dark version of Batman, I, I'll, as right, opposed I'll, to I'll Nemesis. Go with that. No, all right, I'll go with that. Grendel is fucking amazing. Hunter yep. Rose is bad, at, and uh, go a step further. The fact that Hunter Rose's story could could make the Grendel War Child series. Like, Grendel Warchild is, hands down, a seminal piece of my childhood. Yeah, like, yeah. like, reading Warchild was, like, I didn't know comics could be like this. Like, taking that... Who was that the publisher? Jonas, that was an Eclipse, right? Who was the publisher of those? It was, uh, like, Grendel and... you want me to and... grab it? It's on my... You want me to grab it? in my bookcase. No, no, no. It's fine. I, I, I'll look right here. I was just... And, like, and, and the Badger and... And, uh... Like, and... I read... So Ninja, growing Ninja. up, what, what was so I grew up in I grew up in uh, in Virginia, yeah, in Norfolk, and Starblaze Press was in Virginia Beach. So we got all like the Starblaze fucking imprints because I don't know, um, but like I got all these old long hardbacks of Mage, oh, and yeah. yeah, Mage is one of my favorite series. Like, Comico. It was Comico. It was Comico! Oh my god! They owned and, Robotech and then Dar- at one And then point. Dark Horse. And then Dark Horse. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, Dark Horse was when it was Grendel. It was War Child, I mean. Yeah. But, Mage. Like, oh, dude, you've read Mage, right? Yeah, I killed him in a Marvel Superheroes campaign when we were in Oh, years. why would you do that? It wasn't my fault. I didn't do it. The players did it. Uh, so good. I mean, that series... That, so, like... The hero discovered, the hero defined, like it. Yeah. That the the constant 
redefinition of who of who Kevin Matchstick is that mm-hmm. series Kevin is Matchstick. fucking brilliant. It's so good because it's written across decades. Like he wrote he wrote freaking Mage the Hero Discovered in the eighties. And he yeah. wrote Hero to like Hero Defined, Hero Denied. Oh shit, I suck. Yeah. I'm a bad fan. But he wrote one in the night, like one in the nineties to the aughts, and then one of the teens. Right, like it's, it's so like you get three definite generational views of well, like Mister Miracles like that. The, you know, oh gener- my god, generational writing, yeah. Mister Miracle, the the most recent Mister Miracle co- graphic novel you read that right? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, the one where it's su- he's suicidal. Oh yeah, Jesus, that's a brilliant piece of fiction writing. Did you like that's Starman? So good. Uh, you mean the the superhero? Yes, and I mean yeah. the version where you know the cloak and the the cloak and the uh, staff and all that. I like the one after that, actually, the one where he uh, takes it and boils on the staff. I got it. Okay, all right. Mm. I'm sorry. Don't don't get me wrong. I like the previous version too. I thought yeah. that was awesome, but right. I liked I liked the fact that the creators were given the ability to be like, no, fuck everything. Do what you want to do with it. Right. Go for right. it. Like, have you read Profit? No. Okay. So this is amazing. So uh, I am not a Lightfield fan. I have never been a Lightfield fan. I have a ton of Lightfield comics because I was an idiot in the 90s. But I can get you a mug that he drank from at a rock bottom price of $3,000. How weird. I can also get you a mug he drank from. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> we, were, we were there, brother. So... so he made a character called Prophet in the 90s. Yeah, I remember Prophet. Which was a low-rent fucking Captain America. Right. Um, so, in the early aughts, they did a revival of five Extreme Studios titles and gave them to new right. authors. Right. One of whom was Graham. It, his last name is yeah. Graham. He made yeah. Prophet. Prophet. Are you talking about his... the, ABC ser- the ABC stuff or no? No, 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 no. It's still Image. Um, okay, so he takes profit. He takes this hero out of time bullshit, right, and turns it into this psychedelic, yeah, like yeah, yeah. John Carter of Mars level. I was gonna say it looks it looks up. like a whole lot of oh, dude, uh, dude. I will loan Mobius, you this book. M- Mobius you... stuff going on. Oh my god, you need to read this. It is insane, but so good. It like I read this like I I can't even imagine this came out of Extreme Studios because this is this is a story about not understanding and not being in a place you need to be, but it's a whole bunch of vignettes about people who are all the same person not being where they need to be. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good, dude. I was just reading the. I was just reading the the sort of the summary of that revival mm-hmm. and that storyline, and I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's definitely not something that Lifefield would have put together. Yeah, no, <laughs> I never would have picked up picked up this book except my comic shop was like, you might actually Brandon like Graham, this. Brandon Graham and Simon Roy. Yeah. Oh, okay. and Simon Roy, dude, read all of Simon Roy. Like that's going to come up later in our podcast. Simon oh, yeah. Roy is hands down one of my favorite people right now. 
I oh, really? love Simon Roy's stuff. It's so good. It is so good. He wrote, I'll tell you about it later. I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> Jan's Atomic Heart? Jan's Atomic Heart is really good. I know it's a weird title. You should no, really sounds... read it. It was the first thing that caught my eye. I was like, this uh, this looks amazing, actually. Um, yeah, I, I'm familiar with his art. Um, I like so, this whole movement towards yeah, pulling from I do. European comics from the 60s. And oh, 70s. my God. Inky Bilal. Inky yeah. Bilal. And the fact that people are going like, Inky Bilal is amazing. We should copy him. I'm like, yeah, yes, you should. You always should have. Yep. Oh, wow. Do you want to play a futuristic take on the Frankenstein myth? Wow. Okay, so hey, here's the thing. Yeah. The other side to this whole thing with HBO Max funding or Warner Brothers funding this new Snyder Cut, the Snyderverse or whatever the fuck it is, is confirmation to some degree that that, uh, Henry Cavill is coming back. And I find that interesting There's because no way Henry Cavill's not coming back. Give right, me a break. because everyone would even when he was getting he was getting heat for for Witcher, and he's getting he's, you know people are getting really wait, excited about him. Wait, 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 back up. Who's giving him heat for Witcher because they're idiots? No, I don't mean giving him heat. He's gaining heat. Like, he, oh, he you mean was, he's becoming hot, 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 hot. That's right. That's right. What yeah, I mean yeah. to say is yeah. there was pushback on him because of the issues with the DC universe and Superman and the things that they made Superman do, which were not the same as things he did as an actor. He actually did. He's a great Superman, I think. So I think he's a fantastic and, Superman. And he could make a very positive and thoughtful Superman if given the scripts to do that. And he's expressed many times that he wants to get that to the, to the ABC death of Superman, right? He wants to get to that thing. He wants to get to that level Oh my of, god, if they did All-Star Superman... All-Star Superman, that's what I was thinking of. Woo, yeah, That is next to Red Sun. Right. That is my favorite Superman story. Right. So he, he definitely so has... so good. He has the interest in treating the character right and getting there with the right material. He's talked about it a lot. He has refused to disparage the role and close the door the way Affleck has. And you knew that he wanted to do more. But they were, but they were very specifically choosing a million other projects instead of yeah. another Superman movie, which is really odd because not just you and me, but a huge swath of reasonable people could tell them, do this, this, and this, and you have a perfectly fine Superman movie. It's really not that hard. It's very hard yeah. to write and draw Superman, but you can see all the ways they went wrong. It's very easy to keep it simple and do a movie that people would like. Yeah, instead, but like, have you been, instead have you they're been doing reading? the trench, right? Like... And until recently, they were going to do a Supergirl movie instead of another Superman, and then they finally folded on that and said, okay, he's going to do all right, something. All right. no, 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 bullshit. Fuck them. They should have done the Supergirl movie. I think they should have done bullshit. both. It's a really good story, and they should have done it. Kara's a great character. Which version? But I don't give a fuck. Pick one. They're all interesting stories. Yeah. I like I like the last daughter of um, the miniature city of um, Candor, Candor, Candor. Like when she's from, like from Candor. Like when she's not, and she's just her the cousin who happened to survive. Like, right. there's so many good versions of that. Like, 
And we have and the I, missing pod. We have the missing escape pod. Sure, and I like. I I actually dig when they bring in Power Girls history, like right. where they're like, uh, um, I like where there's Galatea, where she is cloned from cells of a Kryptonian. It's mm-hmm. like there's there's so many good Supergirl stories. Fuck them. And actually, <laughs> I like I like the TV show. I dig her. I dig them. I like what they did with Jimmy Olsen. I've watched almost nothing of the show because I just don't watch it's, the WB shows. But I it's do fun. It's I know, fun. but I but I love the casting and I love mm-hmm. the costume. And when I saw it, the first thing I did yeah. was draw it, and I've sold you quite did. a few of those. <laughs> it's gorgeous. It's now, gorgeous. yeah, she no, she's amazing. And and I I used to watch that GIF of uh, Flash bringing her ice cream like fifty times in a row. It's really sweet. <laughs> yeah. It's really sweet. Um, um, but 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 so here's the thing though, classic DC problem, or DC Warner Brothers. You have to I can't choose. decide on the history. You have to choose. Uh, well, do we make a do we do we write the ship and make a good Superman movie, or do we make the trench, uh, or you know, fucking, you know, whatever? All these fringe movies that they greenlit. Marvel has taken the approach: make the Superman movie and make the trench movie. Yeah, it, do you see I what mean, I'm saying? So like, why do they have go, to? We're going to go back to the same problem. Marvel. And and Marvel's distribution houses have been like, hey, we're going to make a superhero movie and it's going to make fucking no scientific sense and no one gives a fuck. And everyone's like, yeah! And DC's (laughs) like, oh, we're sorry. We're making a superhero movie. Is that okay? We'll try to make it make sense. It's like, fuck you! It doesn't have to make sense. It's a fucking superhero movie, you dickholes. Right, right. They don't, as a rule, most of the DCEU projects have felt like they suffered from a lack of confidence. Their apologies. Every single one of them are apologies. Right. I think one of the things that stood out when you watch Aquaman is how much he relished in what he was doing and didn't Mm -hmm. give a shit. Nope, he didn't. And Jason Momoa is the only reason I watched that travesty of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> like Jason Momoa was like, Yeah, motherfucker, you made Aquaman awesome. Also, Kelly Sue DeConnick made Aquaman awesome. The yeah. only reason I'm actually reading it right now, her storyline is fucking fire. But yeah. like if, if you had if you had told twelve year old Mike you're gonna read Aquaman later in your life, I'd have been yeah. like, Fuck you and I'm gonna stab you in the in the kidneys. And also Stranger Danger. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? I don't know you. Um, but I mean, no. A highlight, was... a highlight in that movie was when he killed a, uh, or when she killed a, um, an Atlantean with Atlantean. Are they Atlanteans Atlantean? as well? Yeah, they're, yeah. they're Atlanteans. When she killed an Atlantean with wine. <laughs> oh my! So oh my! I Aquaman. really wish. What a hot mess! I really wish she hadn't been Black Manta, but whatever. I know. A little bit of an issue like, there. Why do we have to be Black Manta at this point in our lives? Can we speak Manta? Manta would be a fine, huh? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's the Manta? Or, the Manta. You know, whatever. Yeah. You, but whatever. It's fine. Um, no. Momo was cool. Who was, um, who was Mara? Uh, it's the one that beats up uh, Johnny Depp all the time. Supposedly. Uh, what's her name? His ex-wife. 
Wow, you just went the opposite way that story is usually told. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. There's this whole this whole counter, this whole... Look, I don't know what happened to that. I don't propaganda. know what happened to the relationship. But something is definitely going down, and I don't know. Well, I think... Yeah. That, no, but I think what you see here Amber is... Amber Heard? There's a, Amber Heard. There's a... A pretty, a, you know, a pretty tumultuous, spicy relationship with a bunch of downward spiral things, and it became that petty and miserable in the yeah, divorce. Yeah, I, to I, where yeah. both of them are saying that the other one was attacking them, yeah. and I just, it was astonishing the way that kind of stuff bleeds into the work. Right? It's sort yeah. of like how you can't watch a Kevin Spacey movie anymore without thinking about yeah. the things that he was proven to be have done. Yep. When I watched Aquaman, I was sitting there. My one part of my brain's like, was she in a violent marriage with Johnny Depp? And were they punching each other in the face and throwing wine bottles at their heads and drunk yeah. and falling out of windows of cars and all this other shit? And and I just compartmentalize that stuff and just enjoy the performance for what it is. And sure. the sure. Technicolor hair wigs and really weird choices that they made, they worked really hard to make an artificial pretty version of Amber Heard instead of just letting Amber Heard look like Amber Heard, which would have been just Agreed. fine. Agreed. Agreed. Who played... Then again, um, they didn't know what to do with Willem Dafoe either. They gave him a top knot yeah. and said, we're done. Well, I mean, you've seen the dragon, the the Great Wall of China, where the fuck... No, I didn't see it. It's called... Woo-wee! All right, well, you should. The investors no, had a really, few things to say in that movie. You really shouldn't. It's garbage. But... Um, <laughs> But Willem Dafoe is being as Willem Dafoeist in that film. <laughs> and all right, that. again, Mr. Def- Mr. Dafoe, if, if you're listening, nope. <laughs> I find you fantastic. No drone strikes, and, please. And you know what? If if that paid for a yacht, I don't give a fuck. So but, what do you what do you most look forward to in the prospect of a Snyder cut remake of Justice League? bringing in uh, stuff that they didn't do and options maybe more of a story would be nice like did, did you see the did you see the image of dark side and w- what did. they had come up with for that i would love a dark side bit because i thought that bringing in you know steppenwolf <laughs> it's like and it, so when they when they revealed steppenwolf and they didn't play fucking um i know um, they didn't play it <laughs> i know it's like just play the fucking song that's what everyone I said wants the time. you to yeah. play the fucking song just do it you know absolutely and the fact that that wasn't a movie where they pound sand with him and then dark side shows up and slaps and, him into high heaven and the, and then sets up a follow up movie that was what should have like, happened okay look you know what i'm i'm going to say it no one give no one fucking knows who Steppenwolf is. Right. It was it was like, garbage, yeah. Like diehard fans, people who've read comics as long as I have and you have know who Steppenwolf is. And to be honest, when they said Steppenwolf, I was like, fuck, that name rings a bell, I need to go yeah. brush that shit yeah, yeah. off. Why the fuck would you choose Steppenwolf? Just right. go straight for Dark Side and be like, No, but I'm you know what coming, I think you're in deep shit. No, you but know? I think but I think this is a case where you'll never get the true, true story because they're rewriting history every day. But I think that they made the decision to make. I think Steppenwolf was intended to be the villain in Suicide Squad. And I think that they blinked and decided also that it was. Stupid. Yeah, but I think that 
because I think what they were trying to do is build. They were trying to do a Marvel style build up, and they thought they're going to do so, a, so a henchman of it, apocalypse in, in Suicide Squad. Hold on, so they're going to make, make it, it a henchman. Goodness. I know. So they thought they would do it in Suicide Squad, and then, then, and then they they pulled him and put him in Justice League because they decided we want to stretch Justice League from one to two movies. So we'll give him, we'll give them his henchmen to fight first. Then we'll have Darkseid appear at the end, clean house the way Ultron was supposed to be, right? Clean house, and then the second movie will be finding your way to claw claw your way back and defeat the big bad of the DC universe. I mean, and the problem with that is so, so not only did fair, it undermine, but not only did but, it undermine Suicide Squad, but it also no one cared about Steppenwolf. No, and the why design would you? For, and and the design of Steppenwolf was another one of these. It's a mediocre beige. So angry beige man Warframe. Right. Like, right. Yeah. It's like, oh, you played Warframe and you're going to make a Warframe character. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And and then the final problem with all this is just like they didn't earn Batman v Superman right out of the gate. They also didn't earn skip to the end with Darkseid. Why did you say that name? Yeah. That's my mother's name. It's like if really? it's like if a Marvel did the first Avengers movie and Im- immediately Thanos came out. <laughs> right. No. Like, what are you doing? I, yeah. No, it's no, it's. I agree. It is it is a lack of coherent plot structure from the director and planning, right? And having a writers room. And and I will and I will complain to my grave that they should have given Josh Brolin a little bit more of a rumble and in his voice. We've talked about it before. Give him some otherworldly alien rumble to his voice. But I will Why? say this: Bro- Wait, you say Brolin's voice wasn't good enough for Thanos? I'm saying it needed to have some rumbly artifice to it to sound more alien for those of you who can't see my face i am making the o face of a sex doll oh my god (laughs) you've been doing that the whole time i have (laughs) it just because the words the words coming out of your mouth like the (laughs) josh brolin's voice for thanos you can tell fantastic you yes it is and imagine it that same voice deeper and a little bit more Oh my uh, god! Alienish, so... and you would have been. Oh my god! So the scene, the scene where, oh my god! So not even in the most recent movies, we're gonna go three yeah. or four back, yeah. yeah, right? Where, but that was my point uh... though: is that they spent twenty movies building up Thanos before we got to Thanos, the... and we had yeah, multiple but... henchmen of Thanos we had... that were in Literally... and of themselves. But we had Josh Brolin the entire time. Oh, I know, almost so... the entire time. So, wait. I think the very first one, it wasn't him. Oh, really? I think so. I'm not going to, you know. So, so which was the one where someone twisted around the Herald of Thanos' head? Right. Who right, right. snapped the head of Thanos? Was that Ronan? It feels like it was a Ronan thing. I can't remember. Do you, yeah. do you know what I'm talking about, though? Yeah, right? I do. Like, yeah. the Thanos like, you will not talk to Thanos. He's like, snap. Yeah, it feels like a Ronan. It was running. It was running. Yeah, I feel shitty if it's not. Sorry, no, no, I'm a shitty is. fan. Anyway, like that Thanos on that throne in that gold armor, being like, "Are you going to do this shit I asked you to do or not?" Like, the lead up Brolin's, was amazing. Brolin's fucking Brolin's intonation in like four lines of dialogue was so solid. I was like, "It was. Yeah, it that's, was amazing." But it would have been more the amazing. Thanos I always. <laughs> But it would have been more amazing, uh, a little deeper. You take the same voice. It has to be the Brolin voice, just a little deeper and a little bit more alien. Little, it needed a little, a little less. It needed a little less human. 
It needed to I be thoroughly. It needed to be thoroughly auto tuned, right? <laughs> but but uh, ask you bring this. me all the stones. <laughs> <laughs> but he but, paid the fuck out of it. But um, think about what Marvel did. His henchmen were introduced not as his henchmen. They were introduced as major villains in movies. Loki being generals. the most the best one, but they were yeah. introduced as independent bads that you yeah. then find out are generals for a bigger bad. Loki's yeah. not set up as the general of someone else. He's set up as the fucking bad guy. And they he made is. a really great bad guy. But then Loki answers to someone, you're like, who the fuck is Loki answering Right, but DC's to? version of this is, I am the general of an uns- of a guy off stage left that you won't see right now. Well, yeah. Fight me, right? That's always kind of been DC's problem, right? Right, right. So... I like the idea of what they've done with what they think Darkseid will look like, what they've shown us. I don't understand why they doubled down on the last Skywalker uh, gorilla AT ATs and made giant cyber crabs behind him, but that's fine as long as it looks Do you good. Not, did you not like the the redesign of the ATs? Hated them. Why? I've recently read some arguments that the original AT-AT design is not as dumb as it as it appears in terms of a multi-terrain, particularly after Rogue One, where they showed also it's a transporter, um, yeah. that there are a lot of good reasons for the AT-AT to be what it is compared to its, its a, evolution from the Clone Wars. Creature. Right, but from its from its evolution from the Clone Wars tank that was very squat and low to the ground. Oh, and therefore... Jesus Christ, the Clone Wars tank is a fucking death trap. So, so I like, I love the AT-AT. I didn't see what the redesign... A lot of the First Order stuff is basically just Empire designs painted black. But the AT, AT design, they purposely did stuff because... And the designer said at the time, while well, we were going for the look of a big gorilla, an angry gorilla. Why? Why? Because... Why did it have giant forearms? Why did it have an angry face? Ah, I have an answer for you. I have an answer for you. You ready for this? Yes, magma busting. What is... No, no, no. What is the one thing that has stopped all Imperial invasions up to this point? Uh, garrot wire. Walls. Walls, right. Right? So they built an AT-AT that could stand on its hind legs and crush walls. It pulls its forearms forward and crushes walls and then walks through them. Do you like, think that's the design? Yeah, I do. Uh, personally, Mike does. Mike mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. Because when I saw that design, I'm like, fuck yeah, it has armored forearms, so when it gets to a wall, it can crush them. It stands up. And crushes down, and it, right. and I'll buy into your head cannon. Sure, it has it has the fucking turbo laser. <laughs> Was it a turbo laser on its back? I prefer it to be a quad laser. It takes a while. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I mean honestly, I felt that I felt that the redesign was a wall crusher, yeah, or at least a wall walker over. Well, you know? and then again, what we got was a movie that did nothing with them to show us no, what it could do. Well. Sure, but that was so. All right, again, I may be a, a, a Ryan Johnson apologist, but was that Ryan was Johnson? the point of that. Wait, the ATATs were. No. Yeah, that was you're Ryan right. Johnson's you're absolutely movie. right. You're absolutely right. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You're right. Yeah, I mean, but I we may didn't. Be a Ryan but Johnson nonetheless, apologist, nonetheless, but... we didn't get. No, that is a flaw, though. When no, we, when they right. made a design change that is a, right. that is about function, and you don't see consider it. Consider Rogue agreed. One. Agreed. The same. But yeah, like, and if you think about the parallel with Rogue One, when they showed that the middle chamber was orange containers, was shipping containers in uh-huh. the ATATs on Scarab, yeah. and 
you even saw one empty and flopping yeah. around because it was so uh, top top light. That yeah. was brilliant. You saw function and you saw why it was yeah. the way it was. Yeah. On these, you just didn't see a reason for it to be the way it was. Or or the creation of the U-wing. Like right. yeah. when they made the U-wing, I'm like, yeah, that was a that was a vessel that the fucking body was missing. <laughs> It that was in the alphabet. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, but you, a lot you, of Star Wars ships don't have to have a reason. But you know, no, no. But but no, I, but I, I, uh, but that kind of design is very distinct. No, I mean, but we are fighting a rebellion. We have to move troops places, right? And there were no rebellion troop transports except for, yeah. Oh God, God bless them. That Mon Calamari troop transport, which is <laughs> basically. A turd in space that has no defenses. How much do you love the blockade runner design? It's oh my the, god! It is so, the first ship we see in Star Wars, and it reminds remains is, one of my favorites. It is, right? It is so all um, all all engine, right? It's Lucas's love of hot rods, right? Yeah, it's an all yeah. engine ship. It is. So uh, I have recently built all the Destiny Mega Block sets. Uh-huh. I bought them. I built them all. Yeah. I have them all. I can yeah. show you. And I was like, all right, I'm done with Mega Blocks. I'll move on to another series. And Ruby was like, what are you going to build? I'm like, uh, maybe I'll build some uh, some Lego, some Star Wars. Start looking at the Star Wars Lego sets. How do you feel about gray Lego tiles? They're not. <laughs> I, I actually, I feel. So, so. You've seen my Legos. This is a funny, this is a funny story. Um, I wanted to buy that giant fucking Star Destroyer. Lego set and Ruby's like, it goes in your office. I'm like, well, that's totally all my office. She's like, well, then it's in your office and that's it. And I'm like, fine, I won't buy it. <laughs> but like, I start looking at the Star Wars Lego sets, and I there's only one I want. Hmm. Which one? The the fucking seven hundred dollar Millennium Falcon, right? See, but the thing is, I don't like when they when they resolve uh, arcs and curves with faceted chunks that don't interconnect properly. I actually think the that, Millennium Falcon, I don't like that, the way they did that. That's because you're an architect. Perhaps. Writer. But what I don't understand, though, is they've got, but they've done a lot of really interesting things with curved mm. and angular overplating no, to create I arcs. And I don't understand why on the Millennium Falcon, they don't, still I don't, don't do that. I don't, I don't, I agree. And uh, to to enhance your point, I don't want any of the other Lego sets. And uh-huh. the only one that even that even hinted at me wanting to buy it was the Blockade Runner. Yeah, because it's just such a prototypical design for. Yeah, uh, I need to get through some shit, motherfucker. We're about to re- we're about to build their second Y wing. We did the first Y wing, and then. Uh, Mateo got the uh, the Y wing that is associated with a you know one of the newer films. Um, there's still I, I actually no... really like I really like the uh, Clone Wars design and yeah. I like the refit in the new movies. I think yeah. you'll actually like yeah. this design. Brother. Yeah. Um, I think um, and we've built we built one of the one of the cool ones is we've built. I mean we've built a lot of the, we've built a lot of the Star Wars stuff. I really liked the. Force Awakens Tie Fighter. We built that one. I, I do um, like that one. We recently built Ooh, the. You know what I really like? I like the the Tie Interceptor. Not the Tie Interceptor. The Tie Defender. It's the one that has the long. It's like this, right? 
Right, and the wings fold into each other when they yeah. land. It's the one that um, Moff in the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, the Moff Gideon lands. Oh, okay. Like when that happened, I'm like, that's brilliant. But see, Moff Gideon looks like that? a Tie Fighter. But Moff, that's confusing to me. Moff Gideon looks like a Tie Fighter, but then the wings fold rather than mm-hmm. him having to take a ladder down. Whereas, mm-hmm. but the one that the one that we built that still actually it hasn't been broken apart is the one where the solar panel sides mm-hmm. the ties mm-hmm. come forward angular like daggers right oh interceptors it's yeah an interceptor. interceptor yeah so Ooh, we built that one the, and that's a beautiful one love the interceptor design because what did it because i mean you know this it's, I it's know, do I? oh x-wings are cool yeah we'll fucking make an x-wing then i mean the interceptor is just an x-wing it has right. shields it has quad lasers it's like fuck it fine we'll fight fire with fire i get it the uh, one of the one of the biggest challenges I have is that we started to build and then abandoned and lost all the instructions and everything for um, the first Kylo Ren shuttle from Force Awakens. Oh, and, right! I wanted that one. At, and then as, I decided. Uh, I wanted actually. Yeah, and then I decided. Well, wait a minute. I want to. I want still want to build that. And so I looked up the instructions online. And and I sent you a, a a text of the new location for all the Legos. It's in the living dining room now. I finally got it into the main space, so you can get to it very easily. Bins upon bins upon bins of color coordinated blocks, lots of gray. But anyway, because the point you, is, sir, you sir, are a good human. Thank you, sir. So what I've been doing is slowly building that first uh, Force Awakens shuttle from the PDF of the instructions or like the right. digital version of the instructions and from my parts and. I've only hit a, a small number of parts that I didn't have anymore or couldn't find or whatever. So slowly but, but surely, it's coming together. Also, I mean, really like Han's uh, first speeder from Han Solo. That was a good kit too. Oh, that's a great. That's a oh, and also Ray's scavenger speeder. bike. Ray's scavenger bike is a fun one too. Like Lots that, of curved like maroon bike. curved pieces. So, how many pieces would you say that that uh, that Millennium Falcon? Is? No, no, oh. no, no. Oh, the shuttle. Shuttle oh, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm not a good judge of that. Me either. Uh, Chris is a Lego master. He's like, you know, an adult Lego collector, and he's oh, yeah, got everything, yeah. and he's very, very knowledgeable about that. And he, I've always yeah, we, complained to him about got, pricing, and he talks about, like, well, these it has this number of custom parts and this this many of tier one parts plus the franchise fee and this and this. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, we almost got in a, a Facebook fight about representation and sex sexuality in Lego figures, and I was like, "You and Chris?" I, yeah, my, I was like, "Okay, brother, my, I, I'm gonna back off right now." Meaning that you were in favor of the Lego I girls was, line? No, no, I was like, "There is not enough. There is not representation of women in the Legos." And he was like, "I think you're wrong." And I was like, "Okay, I've got a sore <laughs> spot." <laughs> and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep with my opinion, and we can talk about it later. But obviously, this is not a good time. That's funny. I have two yeah. I have two Lego minifigs in my in my bedroom on my dresser, among all the Legos in the house and what my kids have and everything else. But I have two on my dresser. I have an IG88, and then I have nice. uh, the Bride from Kill Bill. Oh, yeah, nice. That, and so I feel like that's representative of my interests overall. That's fair. Well, so anyway, okay, so that was the thing. We talked about uh, this whole thing about the Snyder Cut and HBO, um, and we also talked about 15 other things. Yeah, because Um, that's that's how the shit goes down with when you just have Tom and I on the the call. 
there were a few other items uh, in 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 uh, entertainment news. I think we're. Oh my about. god, we're still in news. I think <laughs> I think we're gonna stay news, buddy. Actually, <laughs> I think this All is right. a news talk. Fair, uh, fair. but uh, yeah, did you read about Ruby Rose and Batwoman? Uh, I did. Uh, I have not watched the first season of Batwoman. I heard it was garbage, which yep. makes me sad because yeah. I, I, I actually kind of personally have the hots for Ruby Rose. You know what? Let me back this up. All right. You back that up. Uh, I do find Ruby Rose extremely attractive. I also find her very appealing as an actress, which mm-hmm. is separate. And I should recognize that. And I apologize. Um, I, I thought her as Batman was going to be a fucking amazing idea, and mm-hmm. I'm sorry that it didn't work out. I was really interested until I saw that they decided to give her the red wig, and then on top of that, put the strand of hair in front of the face between the two ears as a design choice in all scenes. And at that point, I thought, oh man, they were so close to making an unapologetic... <laughs> female Batman that just looked badass, just had the armor and just started killing people. And instead they had to put the, the, the nuclear red artificial looking wig and then put the big lock of hair right between the ears. And I'm just like, what are you doing? But the other thing is I really like her when I like her and I don't when I don't. And what I mean by that is yeah, okay, please. that I'm a human with opinions. What I mean by that is that um, <laughs> I think I felt that she was at her best and most interesting in the Wick stuff. Agreed. Um, I like liked her. Her fucking character in Wick was amazing. Yeah. Setting aside how rad it was that she was mute. I yeah. loved that she was thin and ropey and tattooed and urgent and had her, it was all her eyes and her face and her mouth. And she just seemed like, like a, I don't know what, like almost like a, like a fucking hawk or something. I really liked it. And then when I imagined... She was a force of nature. Yeah. And then I imagined her being squeezed into a bat suit. And I was like, well, okay. So this is like Christian Bale as a Batman. He is a very interesting guy pretending to be Bruce Wayne and pretending to be Batman. That's Mm -hmm. interesting for him. Maybe she's going to be interesting out of the suit more than she is in the suit. Wait, 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 wait. You didn't like the, the Christian Bale Batman trilogy? Um, I absolutely adore it. It's of my favorite, but I'm saying that Christian Bale in the bat suit was hampered by design issues with the suit, with the neck and the helm, and the way the cuts, the lines, the rubbery lines on his face, the cuts of his face yeah. are not... They they had the option to do the rad cutback of the bat cowl that you know yeah. what I'm talking about, where it cuts back like yeah. this, right? And yeah. instead they did this, because yeah. this is a winner. This This strikes fear in the hearts of criminals, right? When you have your sure. your sex doll o face as your mask yeah. aperture not great um and also just because of the fact that they tried to make the helmet design the way it was seem so practical and the cow seemed practical he seemed somewhat hampered by that i was more i love him though and i love that suit what i'm saying is i was more interested in christian bale playing a human in those movies yeah. in no, fact was, i've often yeah, no. said about the batman movies that Batman was my least int- was I was least interested in Batman in the Batman trilogy, and I was mm-hmm. fine with it. I oh. didn't need to be. The fact it's was, cause... it had so much there there that when he's yeah. 
kicking ass in the bat suit was the least interesting thing to me about everything that was going on, and it was pretty yeah. badass. So I'm totally fine with it's it. It's because they're making apologies for being a superhero movie and showing you the actual veritas behind the character. Well, yeah, and they and they love Michael Mann as I do. But the issue is. I thought maybe Ruby Rose would be interesting out of costume in the way that Christian Bale was very interesting out of costume. Agreed. And, and I think that he was playing a man playing Bruce Wayne and playing Batman, but being neither. Because I think sure. his version of that character is not Bruce Wayne. He's well, a he's that... a gray he's a gray man from the poem, right? He doesn't Bruce Wayne is a construct to him, and I sure. thought that was very important in his portrayal and I loved it. But so anyway, going back Which to is, Ruby Rose. Well, no, 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 no. Back, no. I think you've made an interesting distinction because I think it makes that toast he gives to Alfred, right? In that potentially psychotic episode of Alfred's, <laughs> yes. you know, makes sense. It's like, no, I was playing a person, and now I'm me with this woman, and yeah, I'm done. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I kind of like that story. I like, I'm done with both those falsehoods. I am now just me. I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this, but as a, as the world's biggest Nightwing fan, were I you okay? Were you okay with what they did in Rises? In how they created Nightwing? Oh, are you talking about um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's fucking yeah. Nightwing? Yeah, it says I here. It fucking, says here. Your middle name is Robin. I want to see that movie. That's like, what I said. That movie, like when it's like, and he fucking rises up on the elevator. I'm like, I want to fucking see that movie. Like, <laughs> I remember, show me that. I didn't have. I I wasn't in touch Where, with you at that time for whatever reason. Oh my God. And I remember feeling in the theater when they introduced him. I wasn't. I wasn't a guy that was like, oh, immediately going, oh, this is going to be Robin. But when they introduced the character and they led to his inter, his interconnecting with Wayne and talking about things and 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 his having to make the decisions he was making, I was surprised when his when stuff was was uh, was gifted to him and he inherited the legacy of Batman and and they made a Nightwing out of him. I didn't see that coming the way it came the first time I watched it. But what I did see and thought of at the time was this was this movie's version of the character. This is this movie's version of the concept of a Nightwing. I didn't think yep. that they were making the literal Robin. I thought that yeah. they were making the version yep. of Batman that isn't the Batman, but is still okay. the equipped vigilante, but doesn't have to hide behind things anymore because yep. he's just who he is. Yep. And that, to they me, were. was like, I, I walked away from that going, oh, oh, the next movie is just going to be a Nightwing type yeah. movie. And that's right? what I want to see so much. Oh, I was 100%. I was like... Oh, and I thought of you. I thought boy. of you. Right. They've given me a boy because it was it was amazing. It's like I've never really cared for it, and it's like you're right. You've never cared for that name, hundred percent. It was so amazing. Like when he said, "You know, you saved me as a kid." I was like, I was an orphan. I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, hello." <laughs> what, what what just happened? Yeah. And and because. And that's the amazing thing that he did in those movies was he took all the Robin stories, all of them, and like, blended them together. He took Drake. He took. I mean, he, he even took parts of Stephanie's story, which yeah. I was like, "Good job, yeah, good job." Because yeah. most people leave Stephanie out, and it's like, "Fuck you, she's a Robin." Fuck you. That's right. You know, um, not, just purpley. Not, just purpley. 
not Damon at not Damien at that point because he really no. wasn't around yet. Yeah, which, yeah. That's that's fair. Kudos on you. And um, I still fucking I mean, I gotta tell you, in the modern era, some of my fa- my favorite window of comics reading in a, in a big way was having the the dual stories of next generation characters in the legacy garb of their of their mentors. We had we had Bucky as Cap struggling with yep. that so in, in that book and then and we had and then Brubaker, we had right right oh and then God, we had nightwing rocking it out and then we had nightwing and damian wayne as batman and robin and you had you had grayson being like rein it in and damian being like crack all the skulls i was just like this is a this is a batman robin dynamic that i'm really enjoying i've never liked a robin i've just never been a robin guy i sure as hell loved this robin no, remember, I was a Marvel kid. I appreciated the concept of Robin plenty, but it's never I never really enjoyed watching Robin in comics. Put the mouth, close the mouth. We don't Dude, have that relationship. Have... Okay, so uh, it... this is from the first time I met Dick Grayson. Yeah. I have been enamored with no, I Dick understand. Grayson. I mean, I, I get I get you Robin got a ton not, more DC than I did, though. Is not Robin is not everyone's. Right. Well, yeah, but I mean, the, my first comic was fucking Tony Stark. Well, actually, it's a lie. My first comic was Rhodey as Iron Man. Yeah, but Fair like enough. Iron Man was my first comic. Um, but like, then I got a Batman and Robin comic, and I was like, wait, there's a kid who's fighting crime too. Yeah. And what is his deal? And then I fucking dove into who that kid was. And there's like, definitely some there was definitely some oh versions of there were some modern versions of it where or modern takes on it. I bet I would love that weird Batman 66 stuff. But there have been some modern takes where he was very um he was treated as an equal and he was very intelligent and he was kind of a smart ass a little bit that I liked. But over over the time that the Robins existed in comics, I was reading Marvel, and I was seeing mm-hmm. the DC stuff and getting it on the ed, on the ed, get the edges of it. But sure. by the sure. time I actually started reading DC of my own volition and not like my, my friend giving, remember my friend giving me the Teen <laughs> Titans and I give him X Men, yeah, yeah. and then they join in the book and we're like, what the? Well, uh, it, by the time I yeah, actually started reading, yeah, but they gave you Teen Titans, right? I mean, yeah. Teen Titans was some solid shit. Yeah, but what I'm saying is. By the time the I actually started, on that's amazing. By the time I started buying DC Comics on my own, it was at a time when there was no Robin, right? Well, yeah. And well, so, I was in. I was absolutely aware of Robin's story as a comic mm-hmm. reader and as, as someone who was in that world. And I and and I understood the, the various versions of Robins in media and everything else. I just never had the experience of reading Batman and Robin comics and liking Robin. However, I remember reading Batgirl Year One and thinking to myself, fucking A, man, if I read a story where Robin had this kind of balls, I think I would have been excited to read that book. Sure. The Robin oh. that wants to be in the fucking yellow. You know what I mean? That's like, let's do it. Yeah. I think that's I think that's a fun idea. Yeah. I just I never I never experienced it. So Damian Damian Wayne as Robin was the first time I read a Batman Robin book <gasps> and I said, Oh look, I like Sorry. that guy. So um, That's sorry no, I mean, I, I, I love, I mean, and I am not a Graham Morrison fan. I do not like yep. that dude. Yeah. 
Because yeah. I'm, I'm. You don't like amazing. cynicism in your writers for your. I your don't comments. like. I'm casting right. a spell on my readers. Yeah. Like, dude, yeah. you're a fucking writer. You're not a magician. Shut the fuck up. Well, that's Honestly. just because that's just because he worships uh, what's his name all the time. But like, uh, well, yeah, like but a, I mean, he sh- he worships Alan Moore, but he's not Alan Moore, right? He, right. God but like, bless him. He's okay. But like, Ennis and Ellis are both the same way. They live vicariously through their characters. It's the I same. I punch you in the face about Ennis. Ellis can suck a dick, but like, mm, that was that was dirty. I apologize. En- Ennis, Ellis, Ellis, Ellis is the same character every story. Ennis at least has some diversity to it, yes. I'm tired of Ellis telling everyone, fuck you. I'm like, yeah, you get it. You're dark, brother. Oh, my God. The world's dark. Show me the darkest version of the zombie apocalypse. Show me the darkest version of superheroes. Show me the darkest version of (laughs) taking a shit. Dude, shut the fuck up. Honestly, everything's dark. We get it. I wish I knew how you felt about this. Oh, he's just but like, you got- oh, and then we raped your children. Dude, really? <laughs> really? That's where you go with this? Raping babies? You're but, a weird fucker, dude. Okay, but isn't it funny that all of his books are, you're, you're like listening to someone's like 17-year-old goth teenage daughter ranting uh, to you about this- the world? Oh right. my god. Right, right. 100%. Uh, and okay, so. That's, but, we th- that's- but We Three was good, though. We we three is fantastic. Agreed. Yeah, but it's also that's Morrison darkest, getting out from out it's, from under it's himself. The darkest version of having pets. That's right. Cyber that pets. Is. Yeah. So so that's Ellis. Okay, you're like Ellis, you're glorious. You've made your stake. Everyone loves you. Fine. I don't because I think you like weird sexual perverse shit. So we're done with Ellis. Yeah. Ennis. Yes. Ennis wrote the best Iron Man story that's ever been written. And people are like, no, David and Bottle. I'm like, okay, that's the best <laughs> alcoholic story ever written. I get that Tony was in it. Fine. You're, you're talking about that 12 issue maxi series about Circuits Maximus, aren't you? <laughs> no. <laughs> and damn you, sir. <laughs> damn you. No, I mean, come on. The extremist fucking se- where yep. Tony becomes the avatar of technology, yep. they should have just fucking kept going with that yep. forever. Yep. Because yep. in Earth X, that's what Tony is. In all the right. real stories of fucking Tony, it's you are the avatar of technology. Whatever the epitome of technology is, is what you are. Right. This makes sense in the right. modern day where it's like armor is bullshit. Becoming nanites is what's important. Right. Like, right. Be like the armor. That, yeah. Like, that extremist series was brilliant. Like, I agree. And I'm, I'm, I will admit, I'm a big Ellis fan. Mm-hmm. Planetary is fucking amazing. Transmet yep. is amazing. I love yep. all his Gen X fucking stuff. It's yes. all Gen X stuff. It's all fuck the man, fuck <laughs> the fucking boomers. They yep. suck. It's, yeah. I mean, it's still mad at that, Thatcher somehow, right? It's just like, <laughs> dude, I get, I get your, I get your anger. I yeah. understand it deep in my heart. Yeah, maybe we could give a little bit of compassion to some of this shit. Maybe, you know. But I would say you though, know, hmm, hmm. Let me think about this. Let me think about my, let me think about my thesis here on this compassion. Well, 
I mean, you're definitely, you're definitely um, circling the fact that one of the common themes in his books is everything is so cynical and dark and negative. I mean, um, I love him, but yes, he and, but hates there's no the establishment. But I feel like, in a way, that this is the, this is the way in which, like we talked about, the infinite number of star destroyers, right? He creates worlds <laughs> that are so drearily uh, negative or so consistently disgusting or whatever that there's without contrast you're mired in it and i wanted to give you a good exception to that one of the reasons why i loved i mean i love i think i love the series tv series more one of the reasons i really loved the early boys comics by ennis was that huey was a great sympathetic character oh my god i'm a i'm a son of a bitch i'm Mm. a son of a bitch what was that? I have flipped Ennis and Ellis. <laughs> I have, I have totally it's, switched them. It's the Shiraz and the Blend, man. That's what they Oh my to. god! I'm, I'm so sorry to both of you. All right, Ellis. So then... Ellis is the soup. Is the Iron Man character? Is Iron Man writer? Ennis is the one yes. who just makes shit dark. Yes. Oh my god! I yes. suck. But but that's you okay just... because I knew what you meant, but... and we're still there. Cut all of this. No, I no. feel so bad right now. I shan't. And here's the thing. When I said that Ellis and Ennis are very similar in a lot of ways, I think it's true. The difference no, is... I... I, but, but, but I think the difference is when, when either of them break out of that routine that they're in and do something different, yeah. the results are very different. Ellis's, okay. uh, Ellis's uh, you know, extremist Iron Man story, and the art did not hurt... Um, Felt that was like gorgeous. Well, to have to have Granov doing an entire book, and to have yeah. that whole series with him writing it and that art, felt like this was like the Iron Man comic we were waiting for our whole lives, right? It what I mean, it um, Tom. Although, it was right. Well, it was except except then what? except then I discovered when. Uh, Well, because I mean, John Morrow Jr. wrote drew our comic for a while, and it was yeah. all blocky leg pieces and garbage. The, <laughs> yeah, I yeah no, his his return to Iron Man when he jumped off X Men and he went on to Iron Man in the nineties. I, I thought was it like, was cursed. What? Yeah, what he does well is these really great. I've all I've always said, and we've talked about this. What I think. Uh, John Romita Jr. does the best are big characters like yeah. these Kirby-esque characters, particularly with banded mail, so, and he 100%. makes them in three dimensions, right? He makes them three-dimensional. Yeah. Fin Fan Foom in three dimensions. The yeah. Destroyer in three dimensions. They look amazing. They A do. lot like of his... his... His Eternals run, every third panel was gorgeous. But, but, but it was but, every third panel. But the problem was, I thought when he jumped on Iron Man, I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to get that physicality of Iron Man that we love so much. And what we got was he doesn't get Iron Man. He doesn't get Iron Man. He doesn't get how the massing is supposed to work. He he made Iron Man look kind of flat and didn't have have intensity of power to the way he drew him. Well, I mean, and and, I thought that was very strange. To be fair to him, it was bikini Iron Man. Yeah. You know, it was was all the. Yeah. It was all gold, no red. If, yeah. if 
Iron Man yeah. fan near me right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and it to one of the things the movies have done, which make me really happy, is it's armor. It's yeah. always been armor. It right. will always be armor because he's a vulnerable motherfucker. Yeah. Tony is a soft putty, is a putty little fucker. Right. I love right. him. He builds the armor to protect himself. So it's got to be armor, motherfucker. He's, he's, yeah, he's flawed. He's vulnerable. He's insecure. Yeah. The armor is his ego. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So the one comic that I read that I decided, even though it was flawed, it wasn't perfect, but stylistically excited me even more because Granov is a beautiful. I love his renderings. I love his art. And when he commented nope. on my on my Project Rooftop design, I was dying. I loved it. But what I, I found in his... Yeah, but when when I, but when he did his sequential work, it was it was almost it was kind of muted. In other words, it was very, um, not it wasn't hyper realistic. But the character models are softer. His painterly style was kind of muted. It didn't have a lot of throw yourself. It needed some Kirby crackle, right? It was so very subtle. His his paneling, yeah, right, was very static. Don't be square. Yeah, very static. But, right. but but it was it was here's a shot of a person talking to a person, as opposed to here is a low angle denoting yeah. priority. It was like yeah. here's a straight on angle of a man talking to a woman. He here didn't seem to have that towards the right. camera. He right. needed to read Scott McCloud is what he needed. It's like he didn't have or Wally Wood, right? He didn't have I mean, the fundamentals of story. I think sequential I think once you read Scott McCloud, I I yeah. think everyone should read Scott McCloud and decide whether or not you agree with him. Sure, right. That's fair. Because but my point is, I, I how about even more so? Scott Wallywood? is right in all the respects. I agree because I've read his comics, and while they are good, I do not think their flow is good. Right. Yep. He makes choices, but what I'm, I guess, I'm thinking even more like Wally Wood, right? The perfect, all the perfect panels of Wally Wood, the silhouette, oh, right? The long yeah. shot, yeah. The two hands, yeah. side by side talk. You know. They, it, it was like you could see Granob needing to see that to understand that structure. And I think he suffers from the same thing that um, Alex Ross suffers from, which is reliance on live models. Mm-hmm. And then he taped and then he photographs the live model and draws it, but he's not getting dynamic enough in distorting the image. If he's right. reliant on rendering from sure. photos, he's not just dis- Alex mean, Ross at least been... figured out. Ross also has some issues with, with uh, composition and stuff, but camera angles and things but one thing he did figure out after a while was i need to start putting the camera low and shooting up and i haven't put the camera high and shooting down to get these these larger than life images out of his very stoic models so you can see that as his stuff has progressed like some of his later stuff is like a lot of his early stuff is straight on yeah fucking straight on it's like uh uh-huh that's a picture yeah yeah marvels yeah. was like that well um yeah. anyway the iron man story that i or the series short run series that excited me more that when i was reading it at the time in my life with my interest in the artists that i was interested in including this artist finding myself actually reading an iron man book from him got me really excited it was when eric Kinetic got to do oh, iron man into the mandarin nice. with joe casey Nice. That's not the perfect Iron Man. He's he's stylized yeah. and weird and big handed yeah. and whatever. Yeah. But his love of of I mean, detail. You, I have I have the third issues print where Iron Man's just rocketeering yep. 
Yeah. Like that's in my fucking bedroom. Yeah. Like so, and he did, I, and he did the horn, and he did the hornhead version too, which I love. He did. So I will, I will take what you've given, and mm-hmm. I will, I will. You're gonna raise it. Add. Okay. No, no, I'm not gonna raise because I think it's on the same level. Although you might not, which I think will be interesting. Um, Warren, shit. One second. It's I gotta go my, I gotta go my lab thing here. Okay, okay. come on. You're killing me, Smalls. There we go. Uh, it is Adam Warren's. Oh, hypervelocity armor. Hypervelocity is good. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of his other. I do like Adam Warren's take on Iron Man. You know my hypervelocity print's one of my favorite Iron Man prints I've done. It's it's solid. It. It's a yeah. solid fucking armor design. I, I wouldn't want like, to draw it over and over and over again though. <laughs> because I, I really like Adam Warren's design of did you ever read um Jopping Co? It's a Teen Titans graphic novel. I don't know. I don't think so. So it's set in the future and the deal yeah. is that a young girl who is a superhero Yes feels like something bad is coming and downloads a personality from the personality matrix. And it says, okay, look, what you got to do is gather these people around you. And she's right. like, okay, so I'm this person. What do I need? And it's like, okay, go grab this person, grab this, like go grab uh, an alien who has fucking amazing godlike powers. Go grab a cyborg, go grab, and it tells her to, who to go grit. To fight this thing, right? And it's oh my god, it's it's an amazing story because once you figure out who the AI is, it makes total sense. But um, I really love Adam Warren's anime style, and I think decide like because his um, did he do Avengers AI? He didn't. He did a oh what did he do? Well, it, was a, it was a group of cyborg. It was was it what? Oh, no, that's... it wasn't artificial intelligence. It was uh... no. Who was it? But no, he did a series of of cyborgs that are meant to be wetworks operatives in the right, Marvel yeah. universe. Right, I remember that. Amazing one. story, amazing, and I loved his version of Iron Man. I thought it was a really cool idea. I learned not... to draw. I learned to draw decolletage and asses from Adam Warren when he Fair. was doing his version studio proteus stuff of dirty pair his uh, clean his clean ink work on that and the uh, curves completely blew me away about how he was capturing dirty, dude his dirty pair stuff is some of my favorite stuff it's i i love adam warren yeah i will always love adam warren yeah like i know he's not the best storyteller but i really dig his visuals like it's so it's so tongue in cheek. Like the way yeah. he puts a scene together, you can see the humor where he's like, "I'm making a joke. Do you get the joke? You I don't? actually okay. I actually, yeah, here's, I, here's the next scene. Do you yeah. get this joke? I did like his stuff when he was writing and, and drawing, and he had a sort of a satirical style to it. Do you remember that yeah. one of? Uh, do you remember the one with um, what was it? You know, Fairchild and and uh-huh. uh, Gen thirteen. Gen thirteen. He did a Gen thirteen yeah. where he did. Yeah, I yeah I, I liked his tone. I liked his funny little sort of satirical take on things. Yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't fit me. I always wanted to see very well, but yeah, yeah. I I always thought it would be interesting to see 
if he so okay so this okay the, <laughs> diverging on the diverge but as I've done comic conventions and have met different creators that I read but never had a face to the name until this era, right? Mm-hmm. Pre-internet, just being a kid reading comics. I was struck by how many artists who are well-known for how they drew women or the women they drew, when you meet them in person, it's like what is, you know, what's on the tin is in, what's on the labels in the tin, right? Like, for example, yeah. I met Adam Hughes. And I was seated next to Adam Hughes a couple of shows or across from him or whatever. And Adam Hughes is very much what you expect Adam Hughes to be like. And he had a girl, you know, kind of a youngish girl around him all the time. And there was lots of female people, females coming up and having him sign things and whatever. And he's just very much there. Um, David Mack and his muse, right? Married to him. I think he's married to her. They're just like locked. And I was wondering if meeting Adam Warren, given that he got his start doing his Western take on anime and the cheesecake girls and stuff. I wondered if he's going to be an art, an artist you meet in person that is framed by having some, uh, kind of beautiful woman that's glued to them as their, do you know what I'm saying? I'm not even saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a definitive thing. Like I was surprised. We all, we all know what we like intrinsically, right? Yeah, but no, but here's the thing. I'm not just talking about like how an artist that does a lot of really great gothy stuff and then you meet them and they're gothy. It's not just that. (laughs) It's like me saying, it's like me liking to draw a lot of, uh, you know, Masumini Shiro style mecha stuff. And then you meet me at a show and I got a Mac, I got a fucking robot behind me or a maquette that's sure. fucking looks like a robot sitting next to me. Yeah. That's it's so on the nose for these, these artists that are so known for drawing uh, women in their comics to then have a, a woman with them. That's either their spouse or a, a young girlfriend or just a sycophant. And they're surrounded by them at the show it was strange to me. Cause I thought that each of them, Adam Warren and Adam Hughes are good examples. David Max, another good example. The best things they do aren't the drawing of the women. Adam Warren's best thing he does is his ink work and the clean lines and how he very he has variations on line weight that is really, yeah, really cool. Yeah. That's my eye anyway. No, um, no, you at, I, I, Adam Hughes, I agree with you. Adam Hughes, the farther you get him away from being purient and the more you get him to be taking serious what he's doing, other subject matter, he's got a really, really, really strong and consistent style that I like. When it devolves into cheesecake that he's so well known for, he almost becomes less interesting in a way. It defines uh, him in a way that it kind of limits him. Yeah, David no, Mack's I... painting, his watercolor work and all that is what I take away from him far more than the fact that he's drawing, you know, Kabuki. Like he's drawing yeah. a, 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 a one or more particular women. So I don't know. I think that just kind of struck me just when I started meeting these people in person. Ruby might stab you for that, so be careful. Why is that? She loves David Mack. Well, I love David Mack too. I'm just saying. I think we would I'm, say that I'm there's kidding. more to him than Agreed. than than Agreed. drawing that particular or the three other females that he's drawn a lot of. <laughs> it's his style and compositional choice that is so interesting about what he does. Agreed. His mixed Agreed. materials, mixed media yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Who was doing mixed media stuff? Bill Sinkevich, maybe like, sometimes. Jesus, you know? like David Mack. Yeah, that's Wait, what I'm saying. Is that the right name? Well, that's who we're talking about, aren't we? No shit. I'm sorry. Who did um who did the cover of all the Sandman novels? Oh, uh 
It's also Mac, right? A different Mac, but also Mac, right? Also made Mirror Mask, the movie, which is amazing if you've never seen it. <laughs> Mirror Mask? The yeah. movie? Yeah. From 2005? Yeah. Have you never seen Mirror Mask? It's amazing. I don't think I did. It's and you're thinking about Dave McKean, right? McKean! Shit, I suck. Yes, McKean. Yes. We, we have a very generous... Um, facts are negotiable standard on this podcast. It doesn't really matter. The intent is there, even if the, if the, <laughs> the details are totally wrong. Yeah, sorry. Um, well, well, I mean, I fucked up Ellis and Ennis earlier, which is a sin in my house. So. Well, I'll go ahead then and shit where I eat. The my uh, probably the most formative year, uh, or the most Iron Man comics I read in my formative years were the same ones you were reading. We owe everything to. Luke McDonald, oh, and yet yeah. he's one of my least favorite Iron Man artists ever. I mean, I mean, knee knock, fair. I mean, weird, heavy just... shadow on the face, and then knee knocking, and really awkward. Yeah, I don't I mean, understand it's... his choices now. Him and Mike Zeck could go jump on a cliff together, jump off a cliff together. But and yet, <laughs> this is what we were absorbing when we were at that right age. And they yeah. drew, they both drew a hell of a lot of Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. One day, and my Avenge- kids, in Avengers, right? Yep. Yeah, I really hope my kids do read my comics that I have waiting for them. Um, if they do, I hope at some point my daughter in particular is reading Iron Man and suddenly realizes why I always insist that she names every stuffed animal and doll and character Clytemnestra. Because it's such a go-to my whole adult life when people have asked about a female <laughs> name. I always, I always introduce Clytemnestra as, the, as, the, as my go-to for a female name. Nice, and, and, nice. You know, one day she's going to read that and go, I know who that is. Oh, awesome. Circuits Max. Awesome, Dad. Thanks, Dad. So the, the, struggle, the thing I struggle with with uh, Ruby Rose uh, leaving Batwoman. Yeah, circling, circling around. Is Well, that's what I do. I have notes. And so here's the thing I, that I struggle with. She left at the end of the first season. And it's not the first time that a major, like a very specific actor that is linked to a role then leaves and it's throws the project into question obviously yeah, sure. obviously caruso leaving was it uh blue something blue what was that nypd nypd blue is that the one where he left after the first season because he had a movie career and he did jade and that was the end of that well he also did hudson Hawk. david caruso that's right well he that was a highlight for him right and hudson then a Hawk lot of a, a lot of csi miami you shut your mouth that's what I'm saying. And then there's a lot of CSI Miami's and stuff. But at the time, he left to do Jade. And I remember, and this is an example of where I don't know whether it was the director didn't know what was going on or the actor had no vision. But I remember the moment in Jade where I just couldn't even deal. It was he's standing by us like a kid's seesaw. It's like L.A. Oh, my God, the park scene? Right? The park scene. Yeah. And yeah. the kid is on the seesaw. And he goes, that's right. In his like weird his that that state that he has, and he goes, "Oh yeah, that's right, that's right." And this is the best part. This is like this is like the dude calling it a ferret when it's a or he calls calls a ferret a marmot. He calls it something yeah. worse than it, more random than it is, and it's funny. In this yeah. case, the disconnect was so astounding that I couldn't almost as astounding as a as a wasting Helen Hunt. But he has the kid on the seesaw, and he says, "That's right, it's a space ride." Why would you tell a child to imagine they're on another imaginary thing 
as opposed to saying it's a spaceship it's a space ride like that that moment the fact that it made yeah. it through the cut to the movie was the moment that i said i'm done i'm done with his film career and i want to burn the movie theater down that's fair i, I mean, felt very strongly about it have you ever seen you ever seen playing god with dave Duchovny? i have so I, I would say that is the antithesis of what you just told me right because like the scene where he where he is brought to the crime lord who is timothy hutton right and he rolls up on the breach the beach and he goes you gonna you gonna hurt me why do you want me to no, I'm just trying to plan my day. I mean, <laughs> fucking A. Like, yeah. that is some solid fucking shit right there. I'm like, and that is how you write a scene, my friend. That's right. Well, so she's leaving at the end of the first season. And there's okay. the thought that it could be that she, because she got really badly injured doing some stunts, hurt her neck, oh, some other stuff. And I thought maybe it just really hurts. To do the role, and so that's what well, she doesn't want to do it. No, I mean, good for her. If like her fucking stunt coordinator is not good enough to keep her from being injured, fucking. But now, but now, she made some statement online, like you know, thanks to the fans and blah blah blah. Uh, I know it's a shock that I'm leaving, but those who know know, and left it at that, and that's unlocked a lot of speculation about. But she was unhappy in the set. Why was she unhappy? And I really right. hope that we don't... Here's what I'm afraid of. I really hope that we don't hear that she was being um, pandered to or, um, you know, that there was bias against her or she was being um, approached or thing, issues relating to her sexuality, which was a very high-profile aspect of her sure. casting, Right. that that became a thing in I mean, her production of this show it, because... It probably is. Yeah, but at the same time, they've said, oh, we're going to recast and we're going to get another member of the community to, to play the role in all this. And if you find out, it's like, fuck me, man. It's like, you know, if we find out that that, that kind of harassment was going on, it's going to be sure. such a blow I mean, to but all it... the fans of all the gender fluid and all the... Yeah, but doesn't know. doesn't the statement, we're going to find someone else from the community kind of... Oh, it's terrible. Kind of nod towards that? I mean, it's a lose-lose, though. If they don't, they're in the wrong. And if they do, they're in the wrong. I mean, but that's sure, my but... point. Why does she leave yeah, in the first place? Mm. That's the hard part. Do you continue? You know, they're going to do it. Well, but... One is hopeful that she will tell her story, whatever it is, yeah. because she's awesome. So let me ask you this. Did you watch any or all of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? <sighs> yeah, I watched to a point. I fell off of it. I fell off. Uh... When did you fall off? Did you fall off before Ghost Rider or after Ghost Rider? Because During Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider was cool, though, right? He was. You admit that Ghost Rider was cool? Ghost Rider was cool, but they gave him nothing to do but show up and look mean and make fire and then leave again. Well, and... he's Latino. What do you want? Ah, don't do this. <laughs> but I'm just saying, what? The studio is doing some gender stereotype bullshit? No, but what, what I'm saying is he was a great cat. He was great casting. The car looked great. He was good casting. He, he, did, he, he played the part well. He should have had a, a really good story, which was and in the comics. Nothing. Right, and, and they didn't give very anything solid. to do. No, they didn't. And they even because suggested that's they were... where I stopped watching too. Yep, and they suggested that they were going to do a spinoff with him, and it never manifested. Why would it? He's Latino. No one yep. will watch. Right, right. 
that's everything bullshit, wrong, dude. right? Everything that's wrong with Terminator, right? Same deal. Well, you know, too fringe, mainstream America won't accept it. But I have to feel like mainstream really? America wasn't mainstream watching Agents America of Shield. Uh, Major Eric accepted a talking fucking raccoon. So I know. Suck it's, it if you don't think they'll accept it. But that's my point. It's the studio flinching and not and not doubling down on the decisions they made. That's an incredibly diverse cast, Agents of Shield. It shouldn't have been. It should not have been a controversial thing to cast uh, a Hispanic actor as that character for Ghost Rider, and yet it became a controversy for some reason, and they didn't support him, and it's disappointing. It's because people like Johnny Storm, like Johnny Storm has been ghostwriter for fucking 30 years. Right. Shut the fuck up. Like, honestly. I like that. I like that design. That crazy. Oh, my God. Hard angled chin design. The new ghostwriter design in the comics, motherfuckers, and in the show was solid. It was a cool idea. Right. It was the spirit of vengeance doesn't align itself to one motherfucker. We had multiple comics about that. Right. Like, like, come on. That's where vengeance came from. Yeah. Like, it's... Oh! It so, I don't know. So angry. I, I don't even remember what the storyline was and what else was going on at that time or anything. But I do know that they... Apparently, they kept going. And now they're going to do a final season, or I guess it just started. And there's some sort of... I think in the last season, there was some, you know... Uh, Coulson's a bad guy now, or some sort some timey-wimey shit i don't know but all i know is from looking at their instagrams the last season is focusing on them pushed back in time and they're in the 40s and what that gets you is a lot of handsome actors in cool 40s costumes with a lot of 40s sets and 40s cars and 40s stuff and you know how i feel about that i like and it. i feel similarly i kind of so, like, i kind of dig yeah. that aesthetic so my problem now is because you know first avenger was i want to go back to that i want more of that and so now my problem is, do I just watch the last season before that, or do I go back and fill in the gaps so I know what's going on before I do it? I just don't know. Fill in the gaps. Fill in the, fill gaps. In the gaps. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. or you go to Wikipedia and you read the fucking synopsis, because sometimes <laughs> that's all that's necessary. It's really all that's sometimes necessary. Sometimes it's garbage. They did They did bring another guy, like a handsome guy, onto the cast after uh, um, uh, Luke, whatever his name was, her boyfriend on the show died they brought someone else back they brought some other hunky guy into the team and i didn't like the actor and so that was the end of by died you mean kill <laughs> they killed that they killed that character that character right. became straight evil no 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 i'm not talking about uh um... oh you're talking about the electric guy the yeah. no the, yeah. the the fake ice man the fake Iceman, and then they go up and yeah. they have that thing where she's having premonitions, and then yeah, or yeah, dreams, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. he's in a and then he's in a space shuttle, yeah. and he fucking yeah, dies. It, it dies, yeah. Um, and and it was his, but her relationship with him felt real enough that when you had that time, when you had that alternate reality shunting thing, where yeah. she woke up and and Dalton's character was back and she was still with him, yeah. and she knew, yeah, that was a cool, that was a high. What was the name of that whole arc? And it had a tie oh. to the comics too. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. it was it was kind of like the uh, it was kind of like the Red Skulls fucking around with the with the uh, Cosmic Cube stuff. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it was not. I mean, I like it was Daisy's, Daisy's fucking st- like 
her arc in the show has was one of the only reasons I kept watching. Right. Like when she became Quake, and I was like, "Yeah, but Quake is actually this character." And then they right. did that arc, and I'm like, "Oh, my bad." Yep. Good job. <laughs> you are that character, right? You are that character. Um, and there's also something meta about when you know that a character when a, when you know that the actor is as green as the character. Like she was yeah. plucked out of nothing. She did yeah. some Korean pop, some weird, like shipped over to do some Western Eastern fusion Korean pop st- music videos yep. and stuff. But she had no acting experience before this. She was a babe in the woods, and her character was that in the Marvel universe, and yeah. it worked really well. She just happened to be a very good actress in what she was doing. So you bought. And it. I love. I, I really loved. There was a point where people were like, "You're not a fucking minority actor," and she's like, "Oh." I'm, I'm not a what now? And they're like, you're some white girl. And she's like, I am Asian, yes. motherfuckers. Yes. Just because you think I look white does not make me not Chinese. Or, wait, Korean. No, Chinese? Korean. Korean? So you were telling me about a Doctor Who project that's coming up. Tell me more about yeah, that. It has just, no Chinese or Koreans in it. Let's just X that bit out, shall we? <laughs> I, no, I, so, think she was, I think she is Chinese background, but... I thought she was yeah. Chinese background, but she went to Korea for that. But I don't. Maybe, the, I don't know. Show she was I doing. suck. I'm a white dude. I apologize. Sorry. Well, don't be um, like that. Uh, Doctor Who news. Yes. So there is news that there may be a upcoming crossover with a Tenet Doctor and a Tom Baker Doctor. So uh, for those of you who don't know me. Tom Baker is the doctor that I grew up watching with my grandfather and has a special place in my heart. And you're the only person I know that actually grew up watching Doctor Who. Oh, my God. Like, my grandfather and I would watch Doctor Who. And the awesome thing was, it was on PBS at the point, and we would watch Doctor Who, but I would never watch Doctor Who in a sequence. I would just get random-ass Doctor Who episodes. So I had no idea what the story was. I just knew Tom Baker was the doctor. That's all I knew, and that's all that mattered to me. And by the way, uh, just to back up, uh, Chloe Bennett is of Chinese American Chinese American origin, and she did attempt a career in China. And I was convinced that she was in Korea, but I think it's because Korea has more recently become so well known for that K-pop stuff. Oh, yeah, and they've K-pop. sort of claimed that style that she was doing. Sure. And so sure. I was thinking that way, but no, just straight up Chinese American from Chicago, okay. from Chicago. So anyway, so uh, Doctor Who. Anyway, so yes, yeah, so uh, for those of you who are Doctor Who fans and know the lineage from one to, are we at thirteen now? Do we count 13, the word Doctor? 12. It depends if we count the word Doctor or not. Anyway, it doesn't matter. For those of you who are along the line of, you know, Pertwee to whoever, um, which I am. Sadly, not as verbal and knowledgeable as many of you. Uh, Tom Baker is mine. I'm pretty sure he's four. He might not be. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, He and Tenet are possibly doing a project together, which, if you are a fan of either of them, should make you very, very excited. I mean, it's a huge deal. I mean, they're both very, very prominent doctors. Right. Like, Tenet is a doctor to a number of people that I know. Like, they're like, no, that's the doctor. I'm like, well, I mean, there's many doctors. They're like, no. That is, is that a thing? 
is that a thing with Doctor Who fans that they oh, pick one yes. doctor and they don't like the other doctors? Yes, it's called My Doctor. Right. You said like, it. There I was are, wondering about it. There are many doctors. This one is My Doctor. So, so My Doctor is Tom Baker. Whereas I love Eccleston and Tennant and Smith and the new... Well, the new... I, I'm shitty. I have not actually... I'm not up to date. I have not seen the newest Doctor because Mr. Pink broke my heart. Joy, Joy something or other. Um, yeah. I stopped halfway through the last Doctor because Mr. Pink broke my heart. I'll say it again. Mr. Pink <laughs> broke my heart. And for those of you who are like, man, Mr. Pink story, I'm like, broke my heart. And I'm six foot three. Come at me, bro. What's the Mr. So, Pink story that broke your heart? Um, so... Mr. Pink is a character in the Doctor Who series right. who has a non... It's, it's, it's fucking rough. It's fucking rough, dude. Did he have he a Link Continental? Has... Oh, that's the wrong Mr. Pink. Wrong Mr. Pink. Got wrong it. Mr. I will... I know where you live. <laughs> so, no, is So, Mr. Pink is a teacher in a school who works with the, profe- with the Doctor's companion... And he right. gets drug on some of the journeys with them and tells the doctor pretty much to fuck off because okay. he thinks he's an asshole, which which he is. is, right? and ends up kind of in a very bad predicament because of all of this bullshit. Okay. And like it got to that point in the series, and I'm like, I cannot watch this show any longer because oh, wow. this... Broke my heart. This storyline straight up broke my heart. You have is that, done a is that thing. A, is that a universal thing about that season or that arc? Is that people felt that way? Um, I I do not think so. Okay. I honestly so ever, so oddly enough, there are in the modern run of the Doctor point of contention. Okay. Uh, one of them is the loss of Rose. Mm-hmm. One of them is uh, Catherine Tate becoming a companion. Right. And they're like, Loss of Rose makes me not want to watch. Catherine Tate makes me not want to watch. Okay. Um, and uh, some of them are uh, when John Barrowman leaves. Right. Which I was like, but he got his own show. Just go watch the other fucking show. But people very much love John Barrowman. I, I actually find John Barrowman delightful. I think oh, yeah. he's amazing. But um, I and I only not... know him from conventions. Right. Oh my God, he's yeah. amazing at conventions, isn't he? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> such a... So, so like when he left the show, I was like, yeah, but he's 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 getting another show. Just go watch right. that Why one. Why would you be upset and, about it? Yeah. And this one, like, what what the fuck? Like, whatever. Fine. Um. Uh, people are brokenhearted when Eccleston left, right. which is fair. Like when you're like, "Oh, this is a great doctor," but Wait, that's very for, that's very fourth fourth wall too because they right. they knew enough about the conflict and sure yeah. they should yeah um, and that's fair because dealing with um, the writer who's the writer at the point uh, yeah I know Definitely who you're talking am, about right yeah um, did did coupling. Right. Yeah. So, right. Um, right. So there's yeah. there's the lots master, of the break, of, yeah. Right. There's lots of breakpoints for people because things change to a point 
that it's um, emotionally upheavalish, right? Sure. And for me, this very sympathetic ex-military character just got completely fucked in the Doctor's universe and die. Uh, he dies. Right. Spoiler. He right. dies. Yep. And I'm just like, I figured you were going there. Fuck this show. I'm like, fuck you. I'm done. I am like, I have watched the doctor since I was seven years old. Yeah. And you have made me not want to watch this fucking show. Did you know like, that David Tennant has five children? I did not. Did you know that David Tennant is married to a previous doctor's daughter? Georgia Tennant? Yeah. What the? Yeah. She played the doctor's daughter, Jenny, in the Doctor Who episode, The Doctor's Daughter. She that, did. That, and, that tracks. <laughs> and Lady and, Vivian. And she is whose daughter? Uh, let's see. Let's see. So, her... I don't know what her maiden name is. Hmm. Peter right. Davidson's Peter Davidson's daughter. Boom. Oh my gosh. And that's a and, and Sandra Dickinson's mother is. And is the, the best thing about that is, <clears throat> apparently, that's David Tennant's favorite doctor. Oh my god. Is that not awesome? Is that not the I coolest just, thing oh, ever? But it can get kind of creepy though. Like, where, did was he with her before he became a doctor? Yes. Okay, that's good <laughs> because yeah. it could be. Yeah. So, let me ask you this. I want to go back to this thing about um, my doctor. Okay. Uh, Star Trek fans are very infamous about being pro one captain or the other and being sure. critical of other captains. Sure. Just like they are about the whole series. But do you think like, that I'm people... A, I'm a Picard fan. Right. Do people... Um, Although I do love Cisco. Hawkins Space is the best. So Hawkins Space. Um, do people... Are people as, I mean, like, which fandom is more aggressive about mine is the best and all the others suck versus mine is the best of all the really good ones? Uh, man, that's, oh, come on. Because it seems very similar. That's, that's, they're all the same. Like, the the Trekkie, Trekker, whatever that they're going with, like, they're all, like, old's best, new's best, this new thing sucks. Now, right. now granted, Enterprise's theme song was iffy. Right. But it didn't deserve the amount of hate that it got. But Enterprise <clears throat> is a fun show, especially with, like, as a chronological warfare story. Right. And to be fair, fucking the captain of that starship, Scott Bakula, was a villain at least in three seasons of that show. Right. Which is awesome to watch because you're like, are you a good guy? I don't think you are, Captain Archer. I think you might be the villain of this story. This um, is neither here nor there, but I thought that the intro, because I love intro credit animations and compositions uh-huh. and stuff. I think when they're great, like Daredevil and stuff, or just Game of Thrones, I think they're just amazing part of it. And then when they're not great, Iron Fist, yeah. then it's frustrating to me. Um, yeah. I thought that Discovery's opening animation oh. was really impressive until... Agreed. Until... Oh, the Enterprise started busting out of the line work and the imagery and stuff. So, like, when it's it's just all this proto-stuff, like the spacesuits and the hands starting to touch, the first contact yep. kind of thing, yep. Yep. these pieces of technology that are swirling around. But then, all of a sudden, it ate itself. It was like an Ouroboros, because it had, like, there's a tricorder, and then there's an Enterprise going zip through the tricorder yep. or whatever. And I'm like, well, 
We didn't I, need to be. It's like they were so afraid to not double down on the Enterprise being involved in the opening credits for Enterprise. They couldn't I, be bold I enough to you, not have it. I need you to say that mythical beast again for me. Ouroboros, the snake that eats itself. No, no, I I know what it is. Okay. You just say it better than anyone else I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. I was born in All California, right. buddy. Uh, so that was nice. That was good. Ouroboros. The, that was the, good. Um, and if you look in your uh, post-human source book, uh, volume five, you will find a villain called Ouroboros. So, um, all right. right the last... yeah, that's right there. That's right. I think I see it. Um, that's right there. I, I like that. So, yeah, and you have perimeter lighting behind yeah. the museum glass, which yeah. is great. So, the, um, one other thing... Mm, go ahead. So, so, I liked Discovery. I enjoyed yeah. it. Um, I am actually, of all the things in Discovery that I've seen, yeah. I am most happy that Ansem Mount, Rebecca Romain... Sta- Rebecca Romain... Oh, yeah are making a new show about fucking Christopher Pike. And I'm like, all board for that. That actually sounds like proto-Star Trek that people really want to see. Oh, my God. Brave New Worlds, right? It's so, like, Ansem Mount being Christopher Pike on Discovery was one of my favorite things that I I never got there. I wanted. I never got there. I only watched whatever it was, like, most of the first season. So I got, I watched as far as most so, of the mirror mirror universe stuff, and that was it. So, do you know who um, Jason Isaac's character was? Did you get don't that ruin far? it for me? I will go back and watch it. So, don't tell me. I'm not telling you a thing. I was asking. Ask I mean, who he was? My sense, my sense, as far as I got into before I stopped, was that he was actually the a mirror universe guy that was that had come over. But I don't know. Anyway, anyway, I'll, I'm going to finish should, it. You should finish it and then get into the Christopher Pike stuff because Ansem Mount is. I just can't get over it. Fucking amazing! I just can't get over it from in terms of like visualizing how they might be in motion by looking at their photos. I cannot figure out Ansem Mount because he looks like he has the biggest stick up his ass. Um, but I'm only associating him with like. The whatever the Hell Train show was, remember that one? Hell on Rails. Hell on Rails. Oh come on, Hell on Rails was amazing. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I see him with the beard, and he's like all yeah. aggressive, and his his mount is or uh, his uh, his pike is so rigid looking in the no, no, no. promo photos that I can't. Oh tell my god, him. no! Just what his pike is, Proto Kirk. Okay, like imagine Kirk with all without all the chauvinistic bullshit attached. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I need to get my uh, CBS All Access reaccessed or accessible to me, then I can finish it. And I will. Did you, watch, did you watch the Picard? Nope. Mm. Well, okay. I mean, I was going to, but again, I just never... I've been so limited, I just haven't had time. And Sure, 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 sure. I just wondered. Okay. I'm burning so, right now. As, as you know, I'm burning through one series, and then I think the next thing I'll do after that is is dive into the CBS stuff again. So to answer your question, I believe every fan base is generally generationally balanced. Right? I agree. Yeah. So the people of our generation, and I, I mean that as the people of our age who grew up with some of the things we're talking about, Moffat, have uh, a Moffat, very, Moffat, Moffat, yes, yes. So the people of our age who grew up with a thing, right, feel like I, I'm not saying I feel this way or you feel this way, but in general feel like a thing should be a thing, right? You mean like the Yancey Boys thing or like which well, Jack no, did you take thing? I, I feel like this is the story we tell. It We should take this story 
and put it at the end of the next story and tell that story again. Right. 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 I, I don't believe this. Mike does not believe this at all. Right. I'm like, stories evolve, motherfucker. Suck right. it up. But I feel like our generation is like this story. Sick we just block it. Right. Keep going. Right. The the generation before us is like, no, it never fucking changes. It's always the same thing. <laughs> if you change it, I'll lose my mind. It's like, yeah. Stop watching television, then. Please. Well, like we said before, it's either there's not enough change, or no, there's too much change. Right, right. And I feel like the generation after us, who is consuming all of our random shit that we've made over the years, is like, that's a cool story. This is a cool story. That one kind of sucks. This one's interesting. Well, Why don't we make them all one new thing, and it's like. But, but I think we have a. But I think we have an interesting problem with that generation of content consumers. It's the mobile consumer. Yeah. It's the YouTube consumer. Sure. Is that they are the one now most likely to not watch the series. Sure. They'll watch an episode. So. Sure. Imagine, you have a kid. Imagine one of my kids, and they announce to me, "Yeah, I like Star Trek." Or whatever. I like Star Trek. And I go, oh, cool. Which one, do you, you know, what have you been watching? And they're like, oh, I saw one where the guy did a thing. And another one where the other one. And yeah, it's pretty cool. And I realized that he he bounced around and saw episodes from multiple different seasons, multiple casts, yeah. multiple versions of the show. And he didn't, he was disinterested enough to not want to see the the entirety of those series. Like so. the sample, the sampler was enough for him. That's what I worry about those kids of that age. They're, they're so but mass why, consumers that they don't care. But why are you worrying about that? So Cause, cause he I'm has taken I'm a, a father. He or she has taken a dip yeah. into the into the pool o trek. Yeah, right? but you and, and I pulled out we a handful. Well, right, but we're not them. Yeah, I know, but and don't we are going to existential make... on me, on me, man. I'm just saying that that's a disconnect between the what I see in the behavior of the young kids today, and something that is deep with me is I have the completest mentality. Even if, for example, <laughs> Agents of Shield, I struggle with the yeah. idea that I couldn't go back and watch. All, I should watch all of the Agents of Shield before I watch the last season. I don't like the idea that I didn't see stuff, even as I know. And this goes back to comics. I'd be like, shit, shit. I got to read through the crapola that I didn't like in order to get back to the stuff I did like because I'm going to be annoyed sure. that I didn't read that other stuff. No. Right, right. But And then I'm uh, mad at myself I mean, for wasting my time. I, but also, also, we're in our 40s. Yes, yes. <laughs> and they are children. Yes, <laughs> right? absolutely right. And it's like, I mean, could you imagine your teen self consuming all of a thing? I really can't. What I also can't imagine is my teen self imagining a scenario in which there would be a single movie released in summer that either its success or failure or its actual release or postponement could mean the entirety of the movie industry is postponed until Christmas. And that's what they've, oh, no. that's what they've done with Tenet. Yeah. That's what they're talking about this week. This is my last news item. I did a subtle segue into this. <laughs> Said, they're they're saying that all the studios, all the studios are just basically now on a holding pattern, saying let's see what happens with Tenet. Ooh. And Warner Brothers is like, we're going to put Tenet out there, uh, and and we don't care what the risks are. We're going to see what happens, see if it ha people have the appetite to go back to the theater or not. It's a movie that needs to be in the theater to be experienced, so we're going to try. But can you imagine my, a scenario my where the entire open? I can't yeah. go. 
But it's not until July anyway. But my oh, point okay. is, can you imagine the entirety of, of the movie industry putting itself on pause until December? No. I mean, it's a reality, but it's hard to imagine I mean, that business industry accepting that reality. It's been on pause since February. So. I know. But I mean, now we're entering the summer cycle, and then you're going to get through the summer cycle and all the way into the fall. Yeah. I, are they going to have an Oscars even? Like, it's a really weird time for the entertainment industry. It's hard to imagine how they are able to stay. So many of these studios are even staying afloat given the need to turn the money around to keep yeah. things going. For this yeah. all to be on in hibernation mode is just really, really interesting. Well, so, I mean, the, I don't the know. good news is they can't film anything right now, so they have to pay anybody. I'm just really surprised. Yeah, well, but then again, they can't keep casts on contract and yep. it's a whole thing. So, I know. one of the things I find interesting is that more studios aren't committing to the release, the streaming release. I mean, well, we talked we talked before about how the numbers don't pencil out. It's like CDC and, and the White House right now. The numbers don't pencil out on trolls. But the reality, though, is that they're sitting on properties that, you know, you wonder about the math they're doing. Like right. Disney Plus. No, but I'm not. I'm not. Because yeah. they'll sit on a fucking movie for 16 years and then release it when someone gets hot. No, fuck the studios. Yeah, they, they, Their money, their penciling is, when can I sell this for the most profit? Yeah, and if the answer sense. is right now, I can't. They're not going to do it, and they're like, "Well, I could, if we go to the theaters, it's worth this much. I if don't I know. release it now, it's worth this much." I'm and saying, they're a bunch of they're a bunch of gremlins. They're a bunch uh, of true. fucking gremlins. Uh, but I'm saying, okay, okay, Trank. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> what I'm saying is that done. No, I'm done with this call. <laughs> call me. What Trank. I'm saying is, it, it's. I just imagine. Um, the way the Hollywood money machine works, that they would not want to wait that long for all their content. I mean, in a in a typical pre-COVID year, you had a smattering of good films and a smattering of popcorn films that would do well, and sure. the rest is filler, right? Filler sure. garbage. Sure. And yeah. so, it's hard to imagine that these studios Every are holding on to the they're holding on to the filler garbage and not releasing it onto streaming media where they could at least charge these premium prices for it. Yeah, I don't. That's the part that trips me out that they I, can wait it, this long. I don't get it either. Like, I get like, Mulan not coming not, out. I'm just surprised that, like, you know, it's not like you don't want to glut the market. It's like, fuck it. You you understand how much people watch shit, right? Yeah. Like, as like as someone who has a streaming venue, yes. right? Which many of these megacorps do. Yes. You have metrics on how much people are fucking consuming. Right. So you know what people will do in a model, let's say. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's it's like, say you have a, I'm not even going to B-list. Let's say you have a C-list fucking movie. Let's say you have some shit about a dog and some sappy boy slash girl slash child. Right? Right. Like, put it out there. Test the market. You did not expect this C product to do anything. So what does it do in this market? Right? Right. right. Like promote it. Give it give it a modicum of push and see what happens. You know? Like not right. even like a full marketing push. Give it a third, a quarter of a marketing push, see what happens. 
See if it makes more money than you expected it to. If it does, push all your fucking C content. Every three months, push a B content. Every six months, push an A until this shit resolves. Like, which why con- not? Which content was Scoob, do you think? I think Scoob was a, was at least a B a B plus A minus. Really? Did you see it? it? Well, no, I didn't. It's it's a cartoon, so I, cartoons I, never going to be A. Yeah, it's but got to be minimum a B. You mean outside of right? the Dis- outside of Disney Pixar, it wouldn't be. A. Uh, yes, outside of a studio that exclusively does animation. Yes, but I when I so I I suffered through Scoob. Some to some degree, and Ooh, then I found you I found, suffered through it. Was yeah, bad, and then huh? I found excuses to do other things, and so I wasn't as committed to the whole thing as I could have been. But what I was struck by was, and we could talk about it later, but um, ultimately, in the context of what we're talking about as a product, I was struck by how it was intended to be a product that begat other product. It was mm-hmm. written and developed as a Hanna Barbera verse movie that is called Scoob and is using the mystery mystery ink to open the door to all of the other Hanna-Barbera properties but it was what, intended what? to be it's got the Blue Falcon and Dino Mutt and all that shit I, in it. I thought I saw Blue Falcon in it. Yeah. Was like Dick Dastardly and Muttley in it? Dick Dastardly was in it. Yep. Get the but, fuck yep. out. Really? Yeah, and, and to a point Someone like me is going, yeah, okay, because I was a kid. I remember that. Yeah, But there was also a point where I'm like, I'm not actually enjoying, the, it's not the Scooby-Doo movie I was hoping for. But also, right. but then as soon as I would wrap my head around the fact that it's really just badly named, it's really just a Hanna-Barbera-verse movie, except it. I was thinking about its creation and realized, thinking that it was intended to be in theaters in an international marketplace to try to generate interest in a whole new franchise of characters that they could develop into stories. Sure. And yeah. by putting it on streaming, well, I think that they did well in doing so, and my kids loved it, I think that they missed a huge... I, I think that they lost that opportunity. Because I don't think on streaming they were able to get that kind of exposure and excitement and, and you know, they were really banking on the kids, the, the tweens and teens going to the movie theater to get interested in this and passing it to each other. And it's a summer movie that you go and just go watch it five times because of the air-conditioned movie theater and your friends are there and that girl's there and Red Vines. You know what I'm talking about? Like, they <clears throat> they thought that that was what this was going to be. This is Twizzler's household, sir. Twizzler's household? Okay. All right, man, well, listen, uh, let me ask you this. We never even got to our main event and I'm totally fine with it. I like a news episode, but I want to ask you this. Give me some rum-fueled recommendations that I can put in these notes and tell right. the people. Number one. Speaking of what? Simon Roy? What's Simon that? Roy Habitat. Simon Roy Habitat. This is an image comic from, uh, I guess, 10 years ago. So it is actually uh, 2017. My bad. It is a group that of comics. feels 20 years ago, frankly. <laughs> 100%. That were put in uh, a bunch of issues of a magazine. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, there is another series called Protector, which is out now. Similar themes. The deal is it's a young man from a tribe who finds a printer cartridge, more or less, that prints him a phaser. And the the world kind of 
disrupts around him because of this high technology that he has. Um, uh-huh. I love it. It's almost like it's almost like a Miyazaki story. Interesting. If it were bloody and rough as fuck, um, I find it fantastic. I, I read this in one sitting. It was a really solid story. What turned Beautiful you on? Beautiful art. Simon Roy is what brought you to it. Um, yes, Simon Roy. I read his new series, Protector, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'll check out his older stuff, and this one's older stuff. Um, other than Habitat, uh, oh, Jeff Lemire's Sentient by TKO Studios, a new independent label. Um, very interesting story about what um, intelligence will breed from. Uh, it's Lord of the Flies-ish. Gorgeous art. Check out this art, dude. That's gorgeous. It's fucking amazing. I showed you a shitty page. Sorry. No, but I see it. I mean, it's... Oh, wow. No, it looks amazing. Yeah. uh, You know how I feel about spacesuits. Yeah, reminiscent of your style, in my opinion. Um, Oh, great. I knew knew there was something I liked about it. uh, But it's a story about a spaceship, a colony ship, that has a catastrophic incident. And the children are left with the artificial intelligence of the spaceship for survival. And it's how they get to the colony. It's amazing. I was blown away by it, actually. Um, Not expecting the story I got. Uh, It it came to me on a recommendation. I highly recommend it. Um, And the last thing I have is the... This is a a silly story. Uh, It's the Murderbot series. Um, I wish I knew the author's name at the top of my head, but I don't. Murderbot. It's a book series. Um, It's about a uh, android slash cyborg slash robot that hacks its governor and just wants to watch serials all day long, but keeps putting in... It keeps getting put into circumstances where it has to protect humans, and it's about its interactions with humans. Amazing book series. Um, it's so good. It's where did how did you fact, how did you learn about that? Uh, Ruby, Ruby Tully. She's like, you need to read these series. It's really good. Murderbot. Um, Murderbot. Uh, What's the writer? I think, I think the first the first book is called All All Codes Red. Maybe. Think. Yeah, you it? know, I I have this written down somewhere, or or Blake had it on one of his planned plunderings or his Rumfield recommendations because I'm yep. remembering I'm there remembering enough about this that it was the on my list. The first book is called All Systems Red by Martha Wells. The first book is maybe 150 pages. It's a fast read. It is a hundred percent worth it. Um, so if you are like me and you are mildly antisocial um, and you have a hard time understanding how other humans work this book is for you like it is a book about a robot who is trying to understand the irrationality of other humans around them so it is fantastic I'm irritated that I can't find it on audible is it really not on audible because it, it really reads like it should be on audible oh all systems read Yep, that's it. Not all codes read. All systems read. Yeah, you led sorry, me astray. I, I Martha apologize. Martha Wells. Okay. Yep. Awesome. I'm going to... So I'm still sitting on my... Because I had an Audible account and I was just churning through a combination of really great stuff. 
and also Star Wars stuff between the two. And uh, I got stalled because the William Gibson book came out that I was so excited about Agency. Yeah. And yeah. I started to listen to it, and I got stymied because I couldn't. Yeah, as you heard, I just couldn't. Yeah, no. I have to read it. And so yeah. I basically put down Audible for a while, and I've amassed like eight credits. I've spent a lot of money on books I haven't read. So uh, I'm going to jump on that and uh, check it out. So for my rum fuel recommendations, one uh, is American Gods Season 1, which you nice. have seen, but if people who mm-hmm. haven't seen American Gods, I really enjoy it. I said it before that I feel like it is what the production team for Preacher was going for for some of their imagery mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with a little bit more um, budget um, and hi- even more hyper-stylized than some of the stuff in Preacher. I think that's what I like the most about his work in general, Fuller, but I'm really impressed because I've always heard about him doing American Gods, but I hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. I'm really loving how psychedelic and um, non-linear, non-linear it goes, and those are the parts that I'm enjoying the most. The really oh, exaggerated but... stylistic stuff. So we've never talked about Legion. We need to. It's on the list. Okay. Because um, I have to get to the third season. I've only seen the first two. Whew. For a while, I couldn't get to it. So I haven't gotten to Professor X yet. Uh, um, but that's the same stuff. I mean, that's why I love Legion. I didn't give a shit. I don't want... I didn't want... Uh, I, I didn't I didn't want... Um, I didn't want him to ever be caught. I just wanted more driving around the desert and fucking off. You know, like... I, just... <laughs> I fucking love Legion. Like, uh, what, who's the actor in that? David... Um... Like, I want to call him David Howard, but that's the name of the fucking yeah. name of the character. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, he's... Like, at first I was like, that guy's not Legion. And then the more I watch him, I'm like, no, that, that dude's David Howard. That's pretty fucking solid. Uh, well, also, the um, the thing was him coming up again, similar to what we talked about with David Caruso. It was him coming off of... Um, Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey. And it yeah. seems so... It seemed like such a strange jump for him to do that and a risk. Yeah. Uh, Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens. And Did you watch uh, Kill Switch? No. No. Interesting film. I'm not saying it's good. It's definitely interesting. It felt a lot like um, if Half Life were a movie. Mm hmm. That's what I've heard about it, actually. Exactly yeah. that. <laughs> I was excited when Legion started because I like Aubrey Plaza. Um, I, I and I wasn't. Love... Yeah, her, and I wasn't. And made it, oh, I mean, she has a little bit of the Ellis Ennis problem, right? She's she's writ large. Her cynicism is there. She can't be real half the time. What I like most about her role, and some of her film stuff has been like this too. What I like most about her work on the show is where she is acting, and yep. not just being Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, like particularly when uh, when she's trapped in the prison and she's mm-hmm. in a really crazy. Um, you know, pir- pir- was, pir- pyramid prison and all that other stuff. Yeah, I was um, going to say the 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 dance sequence. Yeah, that she like, she's great that, in that. Yeah, that was some solid fucking work. Uh, one of my oh, favorite wow. moments. I mean, there's so many moments in Legion. We should talk about it in greater detail later. But one of my favorite moments in Legion is when she and um and um. What's his name? The Concord I like so much. Um, <laughs> uh, oh my god! You know, my brain. Said, yeah, it's um, fucking Tomatella. Jemaine, um, Jemaine uh, Clement. Uh, Jemaine Clement. 
Right. Yeah. So when uh, they are laying in the floaty in the pool in the <laughs> yeah in the trapped world, and he's yeah. in this like fun, you know he's all bronzed and he's in the little suit. Yeah. And she's yeah. in her her tiny bathing suit, and they're and they're they're drinking martinis, and they're like, "This is the best. I love it." <laughs> they're crying and they're laughing. We're trapped. Yeah. I think. I mean, I was just fucking dying in that whole sequence. Um, yeah. That being it's so, said, it's so awesome once you figure out who she is. Like yeah. once that reveal happens, it's like, oh my god, that's amazing writing. Yeah. yeah. No, I yeah. fucking. I can't wait. The problem, just like Preacher, I was stuck because the next season didn't come out on the streaming services I had. Sure. And so I was stuck there. Anyway, so my um, my uh, my recommendations are, again, American God Season 1. And then mm-hmm. also, I just restarted. You know how you just started watching 30 Rock with uh, Ruby? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I just restarted on a whim with uh, my wife, Doris. We decided to rewatch Party Down. Oh! And, uh, so we started, nice. we watched the first two seasons, the first two episodes, and I was falling all over myself laughing. It's that type of, I was reminded that it's the type of um, deadpan humor that I love most in comedy, where yeah. their lines aren't throwaway, and they're very, it's like what you're used to now with Modern Family. Yeah. Um, it's that thing where the, 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 every little thing is not given time to soak in. The camera's moved away, and the character said a thing, and you're like, what the did he just say that? What he just said? At that kind of comedy. Um, that's, and, uh, that's Adam Scott's. Like, yeah, and like, it was his first real thing where you got yeah. kind of... And he seemed like such an anomaly because he's such a mellow character and a mellow guy. And to see yeah. him go on to do Parks and Rec and things and, and sort of build up on that was great. But I had totally forgotten that um, Paul Rudd was a producer and writer of that. Of course he was. I love a, gr- a group of... Uh, you know, a, gr- a group a production. But anyway... So that's the other thing. And then what about you for planned plundering? What are you planning to plunder? I'm actually going to chew through my Squirrel Girl collection, actually. So I have been stockpiling Squirrel Girl comics for a while. And Ruby is like, I want to read Squirrel Girl and Miss Marvel. And I'm like, well, we have all of those in the house. And she's like, wait, what? I'm like, we have every issue of both of those comics and she's like like in trade i'm like no in singles and she's like really i'm like of course why would i not the get smelly ones marvel? yeah i'm like why would i not I, of course i bought squirrel and miss marvel the two like no like they're the they're the kamala khan, kamala khan one she wants yeah, to the kamala, kamala, yeah. yeah the kamala khan so i have like all of them i'm like yeah we can totally read these so i'm gonna read those with with ruby awesome um, so yeah, so I have basically the box that I pulled out for because yes, I'm still in boxes. Um, the box I pulled out had America, which if you haven't read, you should. Yes, Miss um, Marvel, uh, Squirrel Girl, and the Champions, which if yes. you haven't read, the Champions right is the modern superhero team we need. And if you don't believe it, I'm almost no there, your son. I think I'm almost there because in my Marvel's Unlimited subscription, I'm about a year behind. So I think I'm right coming up on it. Oh my god! It's it's Miles Morales as Spider Man, right? It's um Sam as Nova, and don't get me wrong, I hated the fact they made Nova a teen superhero, but then I read Sam's book, and it's fantastic. So it's him. It's Changeling. It's 
the young Scott Summers, uh-huh. the one that's time displaced, yeah. right? And uh, it's it's such it's it is what a teen superhero book should be, because it's all about we're doing these things. Is it right to do these things? And yeah. is it right for us to do this and not be kids? Because it's 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 such a good book. Oh, and cool. I'm not just saying that because most of the things are made by Bendis because I'm a big Bendis fan, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I got you. Cool. But yeah. Champions is fantastic. So yeah, so I'll be chewing through Squirrel and Miss Marvel with Ruby as she reads them. Um if you want to be depressed as shit, you can read Black Science because mm. God, it's a good story, but Jesus Christ, it ends unhappily. Oh, good. Um, also, uh, Kieran Gillian just dropped a new series last week called Ludocrats. Highly recommend. Ludocrats. Yep. All right, I'll check it out. Cool. So I'm planning to. Uh, roll right into American God Season 2, as you know. Nice. Burn through nice. that as fast as I can so we can talk about it. Um, I want to try to get to see Prospect. Because it's, it, you know, we're, <laughs> we're at a point where I have to get on it. That's the 70s spacesuits. Oh. Treasure profit. hunting. Pro- prospect. Wait. Prospect, oh, the movie. Oh, right. No, the movie. Right, right. Yes, we're back yes. to that. Yes, sorry. Yes. Apologize. And then after that, I want to, um, and then I want to um, start to um, watch some of that CBS stuff. And then this right. is a really random one. I want to track down and watch the Lupin the Third anime. Oh, oh! <laughs> Are you fucking with me right now? I sure I'm not. You know I own like no, I didn't. Most of the Lupin stuff. Oh, I am no. Lupin. I did not know that. Lupin is like. Oh like, wow. Lupin is a is a piece of my of, of my heart. Like oh, that's I love Lupin. All right, great. Well, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll like, be talking I about own, it. I own most I, of what you want to watch. Because I, I, you know, I remembered it growing up um, being into anime and being aware of it, but I never watched other than just some clips. It's sort oh. of like Racing Bean. You know, I saw some clips, but I haven't yeah. seen the whole thing. And sure. I was just inspired by, um, randomly, I was recently inspired by the idea of trying to draw some of those characters in my style. And so, oh my god, dude! I wanted to go back and watch them before I did. So, um, it's not that I draw a car very well, but I just thought it would be fun to try. My introduction to Miyazaki mm-hmm. was Lupin. So, Castle of Cagliostro was the first time right. I saw a Miyazaki movie. Also, the first time I saw a Lupin movie, and like from that point on, I was like, "Give me all the Lupin you can hand me." Um, yeah, no, like I have. Seasons and seasons of TV series and movies, like, yeah, I love Lupin. Cool, that's funny. A cheap connect, as they say. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do. So this um, was a, yeah. Go I'm on. I'm going to say this right now. They're not all good. Like no, I it, love it, them. Yeah, but, it like some of them are bad. Yeah, but it's anime. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, this was great. Uh, I love talking our news episodes, and then. Uh, one of our future ones will actually talk about some of the main event content we were. But it doesn't matter. Sure. It just doesn't sure matter. Sure, we will. Sure, I, we will. I, I don't even. I don't even care. We. I love when we spin off on the tangents, and uh, hopefully, some of the people listening to us like it. And uh, if not, they can come back for the main event ones later. So, Mister Man, 
grab handholds because the center will not hold. You just need to, you know, we got to get through another week. See what the future holds for us in the in this in this crazy world, and then we're going to be recording again very very soon and wrapping up some of our other subjects. So, okay. I think it'll be great. In the immortal, in the immortal words of Splashdown, you know. No, I can't fuck it. No. <laughs> I don't think there were any words. All right. Peace out, man. This was Bye great. Mine. All right. <laughs>